This week on the podcast, we hang out with the Warrens. Maybe one more time with The Conjuring, the devil made me do it. the existence of God every time a witness swears to tell the truth I think it's about time they accept the existence of the devil you okay there Jesus I think I hurt someone in 1981 Arnie Johnson pled not guilty we think this family was cursed Possession. I am not going before a grand jury and saying he was possessed by demons. Whatever happened that day, that was not Arnie. Welcome back to the Dissect That Film Podcast, where we dissect the good, the bad, and the ugly of your favorite films and film franchises. I am your host, Brett Parker. Joining me as always, my wonderful co-host, Dan and Angela of DNA Gaming. Hello. And joining us, once again, it has been way too long. He is one of the hosts of Nostalgia Cast. We have Darren Lundberg. Welcome back. Yeah. Hey, the last time was the dinosaur one, right? Like that. Yes. <laughs> I think, and to be honest, that's one of those episodes I actually remember what number it is. Episode 72. Uh, that was uh, the last time you were on the show. And we are now. Because that's how many hours it was. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. And yeah. this is episode 125. So it's been a long time. It's been yeah. 50 plus episodes and. It's been way too long to get you back on. But you know what? You're part of the show almost every week because you're always leaving comments. You're always, you know, sharing your thoughts on the movies that we we cover. So you're always a part of the show, even if you're you're not here talking with us. I cannot resist. You guys are irresistible. We 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 love all of your support, Darren, and we're so happy that you're here. And before we get into anything with this movie, why don't you tell us about yourself and uh, your podcast? 
Okay, well, you said before I'm the co-host of Nostalgia Cast. Like we mentioned last time, we just take movies. We used to take movies from the 80s that we were kids when we were watching. Then we decided that was pointless. And then we started watching a little, you know, more movies that we're still nostalgic about, but that we can actually get excited about. We just finished our season on 90s Palooza, where we tackled a bunch of 90s movies. Um, stuff like Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump and uh, Men in Black and Terminator 2. Just all these movies that were so part, much part of our... Uh, Johnny, I like to say a lot that the 90s is when we cut our teeth. That's when we became friends. It's when we became film fanatics. And so just being able to dive back into those movies was just... Yeah, and not having enough to say as, as instead of trying to force ourselves to come up with things to say. We had to figure out ways to shut up. Uh, so we just finished that up. And then I think we're addicted to 90s stuff. So we're going to keep going back. We, we might try uh, Volume 2 of 90s Palooza. And then uh, just a, bit, a little bit of a spoiler. We're not really a spoiler because we gave it away in our final episode. But I think we're going to start covering some 70s movies. Just trying to tackle Ooh, that uh, decade of just films that define not just us, but like cinema, I would say. A lot of 70s oh, yeah. movies did that. So we're excited to dive back into there. So that's right. what we're up to. It has been a journey going through all of your 90s uh, Palooza stuff. But Men in Black, of course, is a movie that is near and dear to my heart. We've covered it on, yeah. on our show yeah. and uh, listening to your episode. I can't remember what your guest's name was. The lady one. Yeah. The lady one. That's great. right. I know the lady one. She's I've, I've seen, I've heard her on your show. I've heard her on binge movies a bunch yeah. of times and uh, yeah, she's great, great guest. And to hear her love for the movie and your love for the movie, it was, it was great. So make sure you check out uh nostalgia cast and listen to Darren and his co-host uh, talk some movies. Please do. So, Darren, you're here to talk with us about the third Conjuring film. The Conjuring. The, the, the best one. The right? <laughs> right? It has well, to be. This is the best one. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> Why else would you have me on for any other one, right? Did, did we watch the same movie? <laughs> this is. I don't know. It had demons in it. Is this, is this the only one with demons in it? I don't know. <laughs> I think so. The other ones were nice, cheery, like just, you know, little. Casper type ghosts. Yeah, it was like so drama. It was like it was just a family, you know, cute little family yeah. ghost movie. Yeah, yeah. and this one is like when it got serious. The final. Yeah, this is the, this is one that's most like a Law and Order episode. I think that's the yes. ones that was missing from the. That's what was for the first two, and so this one just really nailed that. I thought just it's hard to keep a straight face. Anyway, <laughs> we we've uh, we've changed. Thought the you were format. serious this whole time. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. Yeah, so we've changed the format a little bit on the show. Where in the beginning we try, I totally fail at it almost every time. But we try to just talk about our first experiences with the movie, not really giving our thought or thoughts on the movie until the very end after we go through the entire plot and all that. So. Darren, what was your first experience with this movie? Well, we, uh, I think we talked before. I'm a big fan of this uh, franchise. Um, just because, well, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit, but I'm not a big gore person. Like, I'm more of a story person. So, if, uh, and no offense to anybody that likes these movies, but like Friday the 13th and things like that don't really engage me because there's no story. It's just kill, 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 you know, like the, you know, what goes on in Jason's head, right? So again, no offense, but those it just those don't do anything for me. I need something like, you know, something that engages my brain with the narrative and character stuff like that. So, and again, I'm not trying to sound like a prude because I love stuff like The Fly, the Cronenberg Fly. I love stuff like uh, the, any zombie movie. You need those effects in there, like the the gore effects and the you know, faces ripped off, that kind of thing. So I'm not against that stuff. I'm just rather be engaged by something. So The Conjuring I loved, and the second Conjuring I loved because they're just 
spooky haunted house movies. They're scare machines, and they're really, really good at it. I, it's hard, especially watching this one, it's hard to do, I realize it's hard to make an efficient scare machine, something that just jumps out and goes boo at you, right? So we saw the first two in the theaters, and I just it, it kind of blends together because it was the same experience. My wife, she must have jumped out of her seat maybe 20 times for both movies. It was just great. I mean, went with an audience, and they were just, you know how it is when you go to these movies that are just audience crowd pleasers, and especially mm-hmm. a horror movie where you're just so giddy about stuff, and it just played so well both times. And then I don't know what happened. Like, I heard they're making a third one, and then I think COVID hit because, what, this was released? This was, I think this was released in September of 2020, yeah. and they got pushed to June. To a summer movie, right? Yep. Which, is, which is an interesting choice. But anyway, so when they did that, I think they released it in the theaters and then on HBO Max for like a month, like uh, yep. just a month exclusive thing, which is weird. So for whatever reason, I think because, well, we don't want to go to a theater with just three people. Like, what's the fun of that? So we just didn't get around to seeing it in the theater. And then the reviews... Uh, we're not that great of the third one. And so I just didn't, I mean, you know, you know me guys, I still haven't watched a lot of the Marvel, the MCU stuff yet, just because I haven't gotten around to it. I have other things to do. So we just didn't watch the third one until it came out on, I think when it came out on digital, we watched it. And I don't know if it's because we watched it at home that the effect was lessened, but I didn't jump once. Like this movie didn't scare me once. And so I engage still, and again, we'll talk about it. I engage with the character stuff, but as far as the scares, this one's just, you know, if the first two are master classes and, and jumping out and scaring you, this one's just average like anybody can do this type of thing. So it just, it was fine. We're not going to get into like me shouting about it like we did with Jurassic World, anything like that. I'm, I'm not that upset about it because the stuff that works still work. But as a scare machine, I just don't think this is up to snuff. And so that's, it was a disappointing, and then I watched it the second time today and it was fine, but still didn't scare me. And again, it was probably because I watched it during the daytime that it had a lessened effect. But yeah, so not a huge, giant, life-changing experience with this movie as much as the first two. All right. Dan, Angela, what is, this was your first time with this, right? Yep. Oh, well, actually, every single movie in this franchise has been a first time for you. So <laughs> <That's right. laughs> That is true. So uh, how I was... I haven't listened to The Nun and the, uh, the Annabelle. Did, have, uh, Angela, have you recorded yourself? Like watching these movies, I think that no. was you talked about that. No. <laughs> I would. That Never. would be great. That'd be we something I would there. totally watch. All right. We won't go there. <laughs> Just wanted to know. Sorry. It, yeah, it it was originally the plan, but I don't I don't think it. Uh, it was originally to to record this one. Yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah. I have I have a few on there. He's like, you ain't gonna get anything out of me, and I'm like, well, fuck. Oh, this isn't fun. <laughs> ruin you ruin that for me, and then there was a oh. couple of there was a couple of scares in in a few of them where I said a couple choice words. <laughs> so it would have been it would have been more funny recording me. But you are yeah. going to record your reaction videos to the Mary Kate and Ashley movies, right? And oh hell those? yeah! <laughs> this is compelling. Yeah, I'll record myself like watching those movies. <laughs> Oh, take my eyes off of it. Experience. So, uh, how was your first experience with this movie? It was pr- it was kind of eventful here because you know our daughter has been pretty like not here in every movie. She comes around. She's like, "What are they doing? Why are they doing that?" <laughs> Today, she uh, she he had to leave for a little bit. And we stopped the movie. Yeah, we stopped. We stopped the movie so he can go pick up our our oldest. And she 
She kept asking me questions like, what's this movie about? So I kept I kept telling her things about it. And she she's like, I'm going to sit at the table with my um, my headphones on. So she didn't have to hear anything like she was eating her her dinner and she's just like, but she was still even with her headphones on. She's like, oh, yeah, she'd take a bite and she'd she'd look. And it was kind of crazy for her actually leaving the room for a good majority of it. She remembered like character names and what happened to them. Like she was so worried about David at in the end. She's like, is he okay? Like he's fine. <laughs> the character that you see mostly in the beginning of this movie and then don't see. Well, the that's, <laughs> that's really all she really paid attention to until, until the end. She did not like the opening scene with David. Like she, she's like, if that happens again, she's like, I'm done. That's it. And she goes, that's it. <laughs> like, it's okay. It's not going to, I don't, her on her. I don't think it's going to happen again, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so it was really interesting with that, like answering questions for what you know she was asking and then at the end she she knew something bad was coming so she went and crawled in his lap and was like cuddling up to him and like had her hand up like this like like, watch you coward daughter she i I told her i'm like you do not have to watch this you can leave i'm not forcing you to be here she was courageous but she she has told us before that she's not scared of anything until people start getting hurt. Yeah, she doesn't care for people getting hurt. Like, once David started screaming, she was just like, she like slowly walked out of the room, but she was still watching it. I was like, she's coming back. So she's very empathetic, it sounds like. That's great. Oh, gosh, yes. Anytime anybody screams when they're hurt, she starts crying herself. She's like, she doesn't want them to be hurt. I'm like, it's just a movie. It's okay. That's what we want out of horror movies, though, I think, right? I mean, everything is fine and fancy until people we care about start getting affected by it. Yeah. So that's, yeah. she's, yeah, she's already, a, she's got a good foot forward so, there, I think. Already. But, like, my parents always gave me that line, like, don't worry, it's just a movie. So I started adding more to it. I'm like, don't worry, it's just a movie. They just try to make it look as real as possible. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. Like, to add that extra context. She, she said, she said something, um, oh, because she kept bringing up the, the, shower scene she's like that's fake she's like other things in this she was pointing out other things she's like that's real but that shower scene was fake it's like mm. okay you keep you keep so you keep thinking that yeah. until it happens to you now the shower scene oh man Should i love kids so. i love kids reactions to horror movies and she's only seven so it's like it's really weird for her to actually be this engaged yeah. Like yeah. wanting to watch it, not necessarily engaged, but actually like not forcing herself to watch it, but not backing down because she's not scared of anything. She's figuring it out, sounds like. That's awesome. She is. She yeah. She's more curious than the other two. Hmm. Like she Victor's w- like, eh, whatever. Yeah, Ridley's he's just like, like meh. No. <laughs> <Just Yeah>. like- <laughs> Ridley is the one that takes everything literally. Like, if he knows that it couldn't happen, it doesn't affect him, and he doesn't care. He's our Drax the Destroyer. He's... Drax, yeah. <laughs> like, don't go over 
Don't tell the world his head. He'll catch, catch you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's like, that can't happen. Yeah. <laughs> but he's yeah. also the one that if you tell him to get ready for bed, he's like, uh, earlier, he's like, it's only 826. And I'm like, go brush your teeth. <laughs> anyway. It's four minutes till bedtime. Oh, <laughs> kids. I know. I love our kids. But, you know, sometimes there's like, kids being kids. Anyways, I will stop. Uh, I don't know. You were telling how the kids like. I, we were curious about your experience. That's but fine. That's how I experienced it the... was through her because she was so like. I just have. That's well, fair. I have other choice words to say. So no, that's we'll, fair. We'll we'll leave those for later. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, I well, it was a Sunday afternoon or late Sunday evening that I started watching this. And Angela was eating chicken fried rice, and I was eating pizza crust. <laughs> so take from that what you will. Okay, good start. Well, yeah, right. It's about him and his story. So there I was. Crust, like, don't waste it. I'll eat it. <laughs> Anywho, um, I was actually a little more engaged in this one for like, like what was going on with the story. Because since this is, I know we'll talk about it in a minute, based on true events. Mm-hmm. So like, I was engaged on that kind of stuff and what was going on in it, but I don't think the viewing experience was that much different than anything. I will side with what uh, Darren said here. That's not, it's not very scary. I I didn't really get a scene, even for like, you know, I'm kind of trying to half disengage myself from it because I don't, as we talked about, I don't like these movies that much, but there wasn't anything that really like, it seemed really telegraphed. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was I've got an really interesting telegraph. theory for why it didn't scare me at all, and we'll talk about it. It just seemed okay. like kind of the same scare over and over again. But we'll, yeah, we'll definitely talk about yeah. it. why it, it was. Work. It was fine, and they felt like at least I respect this, but they tried to do something different than the yep. previous two Conjuring movies. But we'll get into that when we talk about it. So. <laughs> Parker, your turn. So, Tell my us first... what your kids thought. Uh, my kids, none of my kids watch this. Uh, my son, my oldest, constantly just tells me that horror is awful, and I it kills me a little bit inside. Um, <laughs> my first experience with this movie was when it came out on Max for that month during when it was released in theaters, and then on Max, and I watched it because I'm a huge fan of this. Of at least I was a huge fan of the Conjuring films. I wasn't as yeah. as everyone knows now. A lot of these movies are first-time watches going through uh, the series. But, um, yeah, it just, I mean, nothing really to say other than, it. yeah, it doesn't have that impact. It just didn't have the impact as the other two. Uh, and I don't want to get too, because my issue is, is I get too far into trying to tell you my first-time experience or my experience with this movie, and it turns into me telling you what I thought of the movie. So I'm just going to yeah. leave it at that. My wife watched it. She kind of she fell asleep about halfway through. <laughs> Ooh, and that's um, I don't know yeah. if she was just exhausted, which that's probably what it was. But also the fact is um, just not a lot of jumpy stuff, which I think got her in a lot of these a lot of these Conjuring universe movies. They, a lot of the Conjuring, like a lot of the Annabelle movies, just jump scares. The Nun, jump scares. La Llorona, even though we've talked about what we feel about that movie, they had some decent jump scares. This movie just mm-hmm. didn't do that. And... As much as I don't think a, a horror movie needs to have jump scares to be an effective horror movie, like give us something, give us something to kind of keep us engaged. Because I feel like this is a movie that the story is interesting. the 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 case behind this 
whole thing is very interesting to me. But I just feel like they focused on something that just was so weak that it that that main part of the story just wasn't as interesting anymore and you just didn't really care how it ended. But we'll get to more about that as we go through the plot and then we'll we'll you know I'll give you my thoughts once we get to the end. So let's talk about some behind I, the scenes and stuff. Go go yeah. ahead there. Go ahead. No, no, I wanted to ask you guys a question because I haven't bothered with uh like I said, it takes a special skill, I think, to pull off a, a haunted house jump scare movie, right? So I haven't bothered with the Annabelles or the nuns because they just look kind of generic and just you know jump out and boot. So is that is that the case? Do you guys agree with uh, I haven't I guess I listened to I haven't listened to those episodes yet and I apologize, but as far as comparing them, like how do you guys compare the Conjuring's, the James Wan movies, to these other generic kind of spinoffs? How how do they stack up for you? And, and is the Conjuring three more like those than it is like the first two? I I believe so. I think the Warrens are still very interesting, and I think that's I think they're the reason why this movie doesn't completely fail for me. Perfect, I, I, yeah. I watching Patrick Wilson and Vera Farminga on screen as the Warrens is magic like i think they are perfect in these roles they do a great job even if they're not given really the the best material to work with and i think that was their problem here where in the first two i think for one this is a this movie has different writers than the first two conjuring we don't have james wan as the director which i think that could have maybe been a factor i think just the way that james wan shoots films and the way that just it looked was more interesting. The way that the characters were written, especially the people that you're not just the Warrens, but all the side characters, like the people that they're dealing with throughout the movie just are more interesting in those first two movies where this one is just, to be honest, a lot of them are forgettable. And a lot of the times you'll see a character and you'll see your, you'll hear his name. And then later on, when you see that character, you've already forgotten their name because there's yes. that, uninteresting yeah where okay. you're just like okay what was his name again and then they don't say it and i had to look it up just to figure out who this person was i mean i remember seeing them before and i remember what they did but they were just yeah just that's the biggest issue for me it's just no there was not a lot of interesting characters in this the warrens oh. were that was it yeah, yeah they didn't screw that up yeah as far as your question about the other ones real quick uh, you know just a spoiler if you don't want to go back and watch them. Uh, I thought the second Annabelle was the closest we got to okay. any of them being truly good. Yes. I, I thought it was a decent movie. We rated it where we rated it in our list. And there was, there was a, a really strong opening to the first one, I thought. But for the most part, it's just sub-tier uh, as far as that goes. I think, I think, like you said, the Conjuring movies are definitely the, the main ones to look out for. So... I think another issue, and I've, we've mentioned it in other episodes, the fact that a lot of these movies are prequels, and I think that's a huge issue with this franchise. Is yes. the Conjuring and the Conjuring Two, and even this one, they're not these these are sequential. These are, you know, you meet the characters in the Conjuring. It's what nineteen seventy one, then you meet them again in the Conjuring Two. That's nineteen seventy seven, and now in this one, it's like nineteen eighty one or whatever. And so you're seeing them in different points of time, but it's not like you're not seeing a prequel film about the Warrens or a where they had the conjuring Two. you had Valak, which is a, I think a very interesting villain. I like the nun and everything, but then you watch the nun and you already know what that character is all about. You already know the type of scares that that character does. And they don't, 
I feel like the nun didn't create anything new for that character, and you were just getting a regurgitated storyline, which then became boring, in my opinion. I, I know, but like, was that we enjoy? I enjoy the nun, but I will say it's it's definitely. Oh no, yeah. I mean, this is just from my point of view. Yeah, that's just what I feel is the biggest problem with this franchise is there's too many prequels and prequels can work, but you have to make those characters do more and be more interesting. And stop I think- making prequels to prequels. <laughs> yeah. Stop this, this, this fucking franchise does it too. And I'm like, guys, we got the backstory. We don't need, here's the backstory, but don't forget about this. And I'm like, guys, it's, it's okay. We don't that <laughs> We don't. Well, I haven't heard that the none of the Annabelles are terrible. You know, so I'm not no, saying that. I'm, I just avoided them because, again, the Conjuring, the first two, they feel special to me. There's mm-hmm. the having the Warrens and having, you know, being a family man, that gets to me, those first yeah. two, right? And this one does it too, to a sense. But it just seems like with the none and Annabelles, it's like, yeah, they're prequels, which is a problem because you, first of all, I I don't like, like, horror sequels because it dilutes the scariness of the characters. Like, Michael Myers, like you make him, oh, he's after his family. And so you're like, well, then I don't have to worry about anything. As long as I'm not a, a, a friends with the Strodes, <laughs> I don't have to deal with it. It's not scary, right? It's, right. it's that kind. Jason is the same thing over and over and over. So it it gets less and less scary. And then <laughs> Freddy notoriously, it's he's a child molester slash murderer. And they made him the hero of the franchise. Because it's the hero of the franchise where you're rooting for him to kill kids, right? I mean, that, that's so strange. So, yeah, so that's the thing. But with those movies, I'm not, I don't think that they'll be bad. I think they'll be enjoyable. I just, I have a hard time going into a movie if I know I'm not going to be engaged by it as much as, I don't know if that makes, I don't have time for like pointless stuff. I, I need to be, have, you know, I need to have my brain work. I think we explained that with Jurassic World quite a bit, but, you know, I, I guess that's just my problem with those. I just haven't made time for them because they don't seem as special. Not that they're bad, just that they're not quite up to that same level. It's what it sounds like you guys are saying. Yeah, it's for me, I think it's as as you go along, like I feel in The Conjuring, you have Bathsheba, who's the, the main villain or it, the main spirit or demon of that story. And you don't see her a lot. You see, and when you do see her, she's very impactful. Or you have yeah. the scene on the stairs with the clap. Like, that yeah. is impactful. That's, yeah. That's how these movies should be. When you get to movies like The Nun, again, I'm going to refer back to The Nun, and I'll talk about La Llorona, even though, technic- in my eyes, we did you know, we did include it in the Conjuring universe, because I think that they technically consider it, because the priest from Annabelle is in it, and he talks about Annabelle, so it's like, well, now it's part of the universe. <laughs> but the biggest issue is like they show this the the demon way too much. In the nun and in La Llorona, you see them way too much. And after a while, you're just overstimulated by this character, and it doesn't have that same impact anymore. You're like, oh, well, there she is again. Oh, there she is again. Oh, there like <laughs> Like, leave them in the shadows. Leave them doing this. Like, there are a couple scenes in La Llorona that actually play really well that actually I missed one where there's, a you know, a character going up the stairs trying to, like, doesn't realize there's anything going on, but, like, the the ghost or spirit is, like, in the shadows, which is, like, a cool shot. Yeah. But then, no joke, a minute later, you see her, like, ten times, like, in yeah. different shots, and you're just like, oh, okay, all right, yeah. I'm, I'm over this. Well, yeah. Go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. I'm I'm good. 
Oh, let's say at least for Annabelle though, because you do mention this. I think it's at least worth watching the first two, and this yes. is relevant because this is technically the last one we're covering until the Nun hits streaming services. So I feel this is a good time to talk about a broad perspective. Mm-hmm. But um, you you don't get the the joy of the elevator scene if you don't watch the original Annabelle, and then the stair lift scene in the second Annabelle movie, which is very equivalent and it's really good and it's yeah. really well shot and it's yeah. it's it's good stuff. Well, I don't know if you we'll get to the Conjuring three eventually, but <laughs> we'll get. I don't know this if you guys remember. Yeah, I don't know if you remember the Ring. Like what? Oh, yeah. The great thing about the Ring remake is that it was, it's not scary in the moment while you're watching it, but for me and my wife, like when it was our first son, and we'd be we'd have to wake up in the middle of the night and rock into sleep, and we could we were just imagining the, the closet door in his room opening. So after, we're like, boy, that movie really got to us, right? Yeah. But there's a there's a few shots in that first Ring where they show just a quick brief flash of the people's faces mm-hmm. and the dead the corpses right and it's terrifying because you're like what the hell was that like it doesn't give you a shot but then in the second ring there's a part where she the Naomi Watts character happens upon a character in a in a jeep or a car and the camera like stays on that face like in the background for like a full two minutes and it's like well now I know that it's makeup and this is no longer scary you know what yep. I mean so showing the the creature the, the scare I think Bathsheba and and Valak I think they're effective, like Parker, like you're saying, and like Dan and you were saying, because they don't, they give you enough that you get the gist of them, the mm-hmm. impact of them, but they don't overstay their welcome to the point where, oh, this isn't scary anymore. Kind of like in Jeepers Creepers, where it shows up and, oh, this is just a dude in a fright mask. It's like, I'm not scared of this anymore. It's yeah. not terrible yep. because it's not otherworldly. I can get a sense of it. And I think that's the difference between a lot of horror. But again, the first two conjurings, I don't think they're breaking barriers there's there's yeah. nothing they're just the poltergeist they're poltergeist yep. done in the 2000s right but it's the characters that i'm engaged with and i'm like oh this is what i want out of a horror movie not just the well-defined scares and james <laughs> those first two movies are loaded with superior fantastic sequences like the hide and clap sequence where you're just on edge but you're you're giddy i don't know if that makes sense because you're having so much fun being scared by the filmmakers who are having fun scaring you it's it's just mm-hmm. it's a push pull and i think that's that's the tough thing to do with horror and it just seems like the nun and the animals which would be fine it just seems like they're just into scary and not really to get to that extra level they're just the in between stuff what it seems like I wasn't giddy with the hide and clap scene. I was like <laughs> grabbing a hold of my chair cuz I'm like I'm like she's going to fall down those stairs. It's, it's yeah. the worst game ever. I've fallen hey, downstairs. This. It's not fun. No, no. If you're lucky you were in a horror movie, you'd be fucking dead. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> you just die when you hit the bottom step. Like, oh god. I mean, I thought I was about to. <laughs> Effective. Right. Yes. So the conjuring, the devil made me do it, was directed by Michael Chaves, who we talked about in The Curse of La Llorona. He was the director of that. And he is also the director of The Nun 2, which just came out in theaters. Well, when you guys are hearing this a few weeks ago. Uh, the He's the Russo brothers of the Conjuring franchise is what it, what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, um, I, I feel like a lot of... the It's funny because like The Curse of the Llorona is is like the bottom of our rankings uh, in this franchise. And the fact that they brought him back for this, maybe it's just like, hey, maybe you could do it again. Maybe, maybe we could, maybe we could get some magic here. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying this guy's a bad director, but I just don't see his track. Like clearly the, tra- I mean, I don't know how. At He's this no rate, James Wan. No. 
I mean, the thing is, is James Wan writes most of these movies. Like he is a writer for most of the movies in this franchise. So I don't know what's going on, especially in this tail end of this franchise, but it just seems it's just getting messier and messier and hopefully it gets better. But I think that's, I think uh, comes home. (laughs) Well, I think, I think that's the biggest problem is, it's just, you're, we're so far into this franchise. Like, I think it's just, maybe it's, getting dry but it's like it's the paranormal how dry could it be and also technically the warrens had did so many cases you could go you could talk about the warrens for for the next 20 years you have a whole franchise in that basement there's a whole franchise of movies that you could do just limitless yeah and they tried to fit it all in one movie (laughs) i want to know what those little toy soldiers did yes and the horn and the horn (laughs) the fucking so much fun stuff in there like, Seriously. dude, I need, I do need just a movie on that stuff. But then they focus on stuff like the Annabelle doll and the, you know, just the stuff that we've already seen. It's like, there's, yeah. folk, try, pick anything out of that room. Yeah. Make yes. that. Anything else. <laughs> <laughs> our, our writer on this one was David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick. Uh, his first writing credit was on a movie we have covered on the show, Orphan, back in 2009. He also wrote the se- the sequel to Clash of the Titans, Wrath of the Titans, in 2012. He he wrote The Conjuring 2 with James Wan, also wrote Aquaman, and Orphan First Kill, and the newest Aquaman, and he's writing the next Conjuring movie. So he's he's got a lot of bangers under his belt there. Damn. Okay. Oh man, the the tell the conjuring next conjuring movie they're in space. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Please, it is the fourth. Hey, it is going to be the fourth one. So that's usually how we it need works, that to right? happen. You have to. You think of like Leprechaun. <laughs> the story was also done by James Wan and David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick. Oh my lord, that's a name. We have Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson back as the Warrens, which, as we stated already, they're the best part of this movie. They're just mm-hmm. so... Their chemistry is so great. They feel like an actual married couple, and they portray a very fictional version of these real people so well. That's yeah, fucking disgusting. It's disgusting. Nobody's like that in real life. Nobody. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we have healthy relationships. Yeah, it's no, so so weird. No. That made me think of it. So my daughter's in there, and it's at the very end, and you know when. Oh, I had already, I had already done this. Before. Okay, yes, but Ed, Ed and Lorraine or do that kiss, whatever at the end, whatever. It's not a fucking spoiler, all right? Shocker. And I was like, I just like cover. Her. I was like, you, I was like, you can't see this. Like married people don't actually kiss one another. <laughs> like I'm literally telling her this. Like it's fucking great. Any time that. <laughs> That's couples do anything, whether it be a hug, kiss, go further. He's like, married people don't do that. I'm like, sure, we don't. No, <laughs> we have, uh, I'm going to totally butcher this actor's name because it's an Irish name yeah. and I can't find a pronunciation on it. So I'm going to try my best. Ruari O'Connor. He's the, uh, he's the one who plays Arnie. Sounds good. I yep. just completely fucked that name. I'm. I apologize. <laughs> wow. Uh, we have Sarah Catherine Hook as Debbie Glatzel, Julian Hilliard as David Glatzel. He is a Haunting of Hill House alum as well. We talked about <laughs> one last week, and we got another one this week. Uh, John Noble as Kastner, uh, Eugenie Bondurant as the occultist, as she is 
I guess called in this movie. Uh, Shannon, who the fuck are these people? <laughs> she was so, in. Yeah, um, I have seen some of these people. Well, she was in um, uh, Hunger Games. Yeah. Okay. So, so John, you know John Noble. He was in Lord oh, of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, played yeah. Denethor. And he was in the show Fringe. He was in the TV show of Sleepy Hollow, which was actually a pretty fun show to watch. I watched it for a little bit. And he was the voice of the Scarecrow in Batman Arkham Knight. I told you that. Well, yeah, but. His voice is awesome. His voice is very iconic. I just want to put because we're talking about Scarecrow and we're this is probably never going to get brought up again. But <laughs> Batman, the animated series, not the first one, but the one that came after the new adventures of Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. The same. Yeah. Truth. It was all Bruce Tim shit, right? Yeah, yeah. The dude who voiced the Scarecrow in that, which is one of the best Scarecrow designs ever, mind you. It, yeah. it was, I can't think of his name. He played um, the main character in Reanimator. Oh, Jeffrey, oh Combs. Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs yeah. is his yeah. voice. Hmm. Absolutely. Just to bring that whole connection right. I need to I need to play that one for you. He did a really he I'm did sure he did. Good job. That's just the one I was not but aware of him who, in that movie. That's who I remember because I've played the games. So. That makes sense. We need more Jeffrey I Combs think, in movies. Yeah, we do. I think I know um, John Noble. John Noble? Am I getting that right? Mm-hmm. I think I know him from um, uh, Elementary, that Sherlock yes. Holmes yep. one. Yep. He played Sherlock Holmes' dad. So that I know him from that, most of all. So. We have Shannon Cook as Drew. I don't. Which one was Drew? He's their assistant. He was in the yeah. first Conjuring. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the second one. He's in the second one, too. He's, okay, he's there, okay. And Ronnie Jean Blevins as Bruno, who was the... Uh, landlord and oh yeah i just want to mention that sterling jarens is back as judy warren she w- she played judy warren in the first conjuring yeah and uh, i don't remember seeing her where the, the fuck was she when she's I in the beginning you, at the hospital yeah she's oh, at the hospital yeah. by your dad's side yeah. when we were when we were conversing on where where was she and i said i read her sweatshirt mm, okay well, she's in the second one too. I thought that was neat. Like they kept the same actress all through yeah. to kind of show who her girl. And I watched almost it this time. I was like, oh yeah, she's almost she's an adult. That's great. Yeah. That they had her in well, there. we when we talked about Annabelle comes home, Judy is in the movie, but she's played by a different actress because that no. movie takes place before the first Conjuring. Okay, so, so don't watch get, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, just skip it, please. <laughs> Right. Listen to our episode, though, but just skip it. Yeah, I'll do that. That'll be more entertaining. <laughs> and we have Steve Coulter back as Father Gordon, who has been in every Conjuring movie and was in Annabelle Comes Home. So, and uh, in Annabelle Comes Home, he looked a little bit more awake in this movie than he did in Annabelle. Yeah, Comes dude, Home. I was like, the dude's acting. <laughs> that was the, that was our that was our gripe with him in the last one was that he literally looked like he was given a paycheck and he just was like, mm-hmm. "I'm not giving you a hundred percent. I'm just going to read my lines and go home." <laughs> Yeah. Oh, what's this movie? This is a Conjuring movie. I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm awake. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it has Conjuring <laughs> in the title. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got to put a hole in there. <laughs> so this movie was originally just going to be called The Conjuring Three, but because of the subject matter, they changed it to The Devil Made Me Do It, which was the name of the case, which had to do with Arnie Johnson. Uh, it was called The Devil Made Me Do It case, which took place in Connecticut back in November of 1981. Is that the first American case of them trying to use demonic possession yes. as a defense? Yes. Okay. First yep. American. Okay. And they, of course, they changed the names of some of the, like the landlord's actual name was Alan Bono, where the, I think his name is Bruno Honey? in this or something like that. Yeah. We don't talk about Bruno. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> but this 
case has been out there for years. Like uh, they, I think there was an episode of a show on discovery channel back in like 2006, which talked about this case. Uh, mostly it was uh, the possession of David, the little boy from the beginning. And they didn't really mention much about Arnie, but then they did do a documentary, another documentary on uh, the case. And the family came out of, especially David himself and one of his brothers who's not even in this movie came out and sued the Warrens. They tried to discredit the Warrens calling them frauds and all that stuff because they were using David's mental illness, which is what the family thought he actually had. Uh, it said they didn't believe it was an actual possession. It was a whole thing. Look it up. Go. There's a, probably a bunch of stuff on the internet. You can read up. I don't want to go too like deep into it. Cause that's not really what we do here, but I figured I'd mention a little bit about it. Uh, the Warrens up until Lorraine's death in 2019 pretty much stated, nope, everything that happened in this or pretty much everything that you see in this movie, even though she wasn't alive, but everything that was talked about actually happened. So, of course, yes, well, of course, Why they couldn't discredit <laughs> themselves. No, uh, but I do want to show them into the very end. <laughs> so, yeah, so the 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 whole events of the day are, are also different from what I guess from all the eyewitness accounts based than what we see in the movie. So in the movie, which I'll, you know, we'll mention it again when we get through the, through the plot, but I figured I'd mention it now in the movie. He of course is possessed and then he ends up like his landlords being annoying, but he sees the demon and then attacks it thinking he's killing this demon, but he actually is just stabbing his landlord in We've seen that before. actuality. It was, very, it was somewhat similar, but I guess there was a lot more people there. Because like in this, it was Arnie, his girlfriend, and the landlord. Debbie. But I guess it was uh, her sister was there, and or his sister was there, and her, I think one of her other brothers was like there at the time. So they were able to mm. give accounts of like what happened. He, yeah, he ended up killing. He ended up stabbing him. Like he, in the movie, I think it was like twenty-two times. But I guess mm. in reality, it was like two or three times. But it was in very. Uh, dangerous spots, which caused him to bleed out very quickly. So that's ultimately the difference, the slight difference between the the real event and the movie. But we'll talk a little bit more about that once we get through the plot. Are we ready to talk about the plot? Maybe. Are you? Are you guys? I don't know. Let's do this, though. Is this a plot? (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. So this it's movie, based on true event. yeah, that's how they they always got to get the whole thing where you you get the uh, the breakdown because this so this movie starts with you going through this house and it looks like a velociraptor got loose in there and was just clawing Literally. up the place. We got range. We got Darren here, so we have to reference somewhat some Jurassic Park world thing. But yeah, it's uh, the house is not looking so good, and we get a little boy getting an exorcism done on him. He is all sweaty, looking like a mess. And we meet Arnie, who you find out is the sister's boyfriend. And Father Gordon's there. Hey, he's back, guys. Hey. <laughs> Look at this guy. He's doing stuff. He's gatorated up. Yeah, he is. So when we get in there, it's kind of like the tail end of this one session, I'm guessing. I don't know what they consider it. Is it an exorcism session? <laughs> but they're done with it for now. They're taking a break. David goes upstairs to sleep 
and the demon or whatever is possessing him is taunting him. He's there, you know, he's hearing noises coming from the bathroom. He goes into the bathroom and he gets into the, into the shower. The shower turns on its, it's blood. And then you see, but a little bit before that, you see the hand coming over the the shower curtain. There's there, this whole first part of this, there's just the little things that I, I love. And that's what I thought that this, yeah, this, the first sequence I think works best. What I liked about it is they're treating it very mundane. Like we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. Like the first shot of Ed and Lorraine, we get, they're wearing bifocals and like Ed just looks over and goes, Jeff, should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. And so it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very run of the mill. What I thought was interesting is they walk off and then Lorraine gives him a drink. He's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah. It's like, I just, I've never seen anything quite like this. Which what they're doing is they're getting into our brains that, oh, this exorcism is mundane because we've seen these before. We've seen the first two movies, right? We know how it's going to work. But the fact that Ed says, I've never experienced anything like this, it gets our the hairs in the back of our neck going because, like, ooh, what's this going to lead? The problem, I think, with that is it's telling us this is going to be different from anything we've seen. But then everything that happens after the scene, we've seen in maybe a thousand movies. Like, everything that happens, we've seen happen. And I think it just, it unfairly raises the stakes for us. And then it doesn't deliver on what makes this such a different case. But I also wonder when he says, I've never experienced anything quite like this. Is he, is, do you guys think Ed is maybe feeling the oncoming onset of the heart attack that he's about to have? Maybe. Because he seems like something's off by him. Yeah. And I don't know. Moving slower. The way way they're doing the case though, is he says that, but it doesn't fit. Like you said, with what's going on. Because he's like, oh, let's just take a break. Like if this was like serious shit, it wouldn't be like, all right guys, halftime, 15 minutes, let's get Gatorades and shit. You know, none of that stuff. Like it just doesn't feel like the, that line should never been mentioned. Yeah. He maybe even said like, he's just feeling rough or tired, but don't mention it's nothing like, I don't know. It just doesn't set it up properly. I think he's trying to make it seem like he's feeling less worse than he actually is. So he needs the break. So he's trying to make it seem like this is yeah. a bigger deal than, than it actually is. Than it actually is. Because, that line literally... You Go ahead. Sorry, Angela. Go ahead. Because well, a lot of times when people have heart attacks, they feel that, yeah. that sluggish feeling. So and he, they can't put their finger on it, right? They yeah, he knows something's understand. wrong, but he doesn't. I feel he doesn't want to admit it. He's a male. I, no offense to any males. My dad was the worst for admitting when something was wrong. And yeah. don't want to go see the doctor. Don't want to, you know. I think a lot. Down, I think I think for most downplay. men, it's that whole like just the mentality of like I'm. I got to be tough. I got to show my yeah. toughness. And it's just like no. If there's something majorly wrong with you, you need to get checked out it doesn't make you less of a of a man or you know less of a of a strong person if you gotta seek help i just feel like he's just downplaying how he is feeling so he's just kind of yeah putting it off on everybody else see this whole movie like in order for me to appreciate it i had to approach it from the warren again when we say the warrens like these are movie characters i don't think of these people as the real people right i I again, I think you guys mentioned, and I didn't realize this. Ed had like an affair with like a fifteen-year-old girl or something. So, Parker, was that what you allegedly? So I, I, I watched a couple videos of, of like you know true crime people who looked deep into the Warrens' history, and yeah. that was one of them. And that's why I, I stated it was alleged. I don't. I'm not. I can't. I'm not saying it actually happened. It's right. Just, but yeah, it was supposedly he had an affair with like a 15 started. She started at 15 and she lived in the house 
in their house for like <laughs> 20 years or more. Yeah, interesting. So well, yeah. they're not they're not perfect by any means, the no. real people, right? But I think the movie versions, they're a Hollywoodized and they I think they do it on purpose. Like in order to juxtapose it with the horror and the terror and the evil, you want to have a couple who's the epitome of goodness. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think for me again, Wilson nailed that. And so, like I said, these are movie characters that I love. When people say that the Warrens are pieces of shit, sure, but I don't these are different than the than the real life people. Yeah. So I, I have to get that out of the way first is I think these are movie characters. They're not the actual Warrens, but as a paragon of goodness, they need that. Right. And so I needed to, to focus on the movie. I needed it to be from a character point of view because the scares weren't working. So yeah, you guys talking about the heart attack. I, th- I think that works from a character point of view, as opposed to just a scare point of view, because that yeah. line is totally unfair because the rest of the movie from a horror perspective, a surface, it does not live up to that line of this one is different. And then when it says, like, this is the most terrifying case of their careers, I'm like, really? <laughs> I, really, this is the most terrifying? You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's, it's unfair. It doesn't, the rest of the movie doesn't live up to that line if we're looking at it from a horror perspective, not from the character's perspective. Yeah. Yes. They share, they share in name only. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Especially when you, it, when you say that, like, the most terrifying case they've ever done it's it's like it downplays the impact of those first two conjuring movies because yeah it's like i don't know about this i don't know you're you're setting up something that you're probably not going to be able to achieve and it's kind of disappointing well Um, you you want to raise the stakes every sequel right you don't want it to level out and i think that's what you want to do but the problem is it just doesn't as a movie, it doesn't hit those heights. And so that's yeah. why we think we look back in the first is those were scarier than this. I don't know what you're talking about. So. Yeah. And it also downplays the one case that they took that scarred her so bad. Yeah. 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 Why would it? <laughs> yeah. So like, what is that? Chopped liver? Like, is that that's like down here? No, that's like what made this explode yeah. like and from a character's point of view if you look at it as this is the heart this is the case that they we almost lost ed lorraine almost lost ed that i can see is this is the worst case of their careers yeah. right but not the most terrifying case yeah yeah, yeah. No. so he's dealing with all these events in his bathroom he becomes like he's possessed again he stabs his dad he is wrestled back downstairs to the kitchen table and tells Father Gordon, we got to do this thing. Ooh. And The whole scene of him going down the stairs, though. Yes. Oh, and like the scratches. And He's stuff. not even yeah. touching the wall. Yeah. And it's just like the scratches are happening. Effective. Like, that so that first sequence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Works so, so well. Good. Works so well. Yeah. And you can it's also like, see the strain in Ed's face. Like, mm-hmm. you, like you can, yeah. you can tell like something is going to happen probably. Yeah. Because like when he is every time he gets to a certain point, he is like restrained, like he is restricted from moving because the demon is preventing him from going down the stairs. And it's yeah, it's such a great sequence. Well, this is what I love about you guys is when and sorry to keep interrupting. But but (laughs) what I love about you guys is, yeah, I can look at a movie and have opinions, but you guys, the way what we're talking, it's inspiring me to think about more stuff and more Mm -hmm. stuff. Oh, that means this. That means that. What's great and not to jump ahead, but you juxtapose this beginning with the scratches on the wall and him yanking to a part of the end where a character is grabbing a rock and hitting another character on the head where there's such a difference in in stakes and in scares between this beginning and the ending that it's, it's amazing. It's incredible how much of a disparity there is. Yeah. Like you start up here 
and you end down here. Like, like ah. you shouldn't. It shouldn't be yeah. that roller. That first drop on a roller coaster, and then yeah. end, and then be. I mean, that's the it. thing is, a lot of movies in this franchise do that. There's a lot right. of these movies yeah. that we have put in the lower end of our rankings that start off with some really good sequences in the beginning, yeah. and then they just don't know where to go. And yeah. then by the time you get to the end, you're just like, did anything happen in this movie? <laughs> and that's not the yeah. that's not the question I want to ask when we get to the end of any movie. No. Is no. What, did anything and it's sad happen? comparing this one to the first two in that way. Yeah. Because the first two, I think, do... The the emotions and the characters get stronger as the movie goes. So we're more invested, I think, in those first two than we are here. Yep. So yeah, they do the exorcism. You get to see some cool contortion. You know, the, yeah. the kids like doing that's cool. Twist, oh, yeah. twist, always good. Twisting up. <laughs> and this is when he, Father Gordon, gets knocked out because clearly there's a big dust storm. That's what demons could do. They can conjure dust storms in houses. Have <laughs> some plates. Yeah. Fine china. <laughs> It's not even the fact that it's throwing things across the house. There's dust everywhere. Like, there's sand. It's like they're in the middle of a desert. It's just sand flying everywhere. These glasses need to dust. They need to dust every once in a while. Otherwise, it's going to be a problem. That's what I said. It makes (laughs) you wonder. Yeah, it makes you wonder if their house is just that dirty. It's all coming from the crawl space. (laughs) Dude. They deserve this. Dude. In my line of work, I could tell you a lot about how dust travels inside walls, but we're not getting into that shit today. Ew, I, I could show you the bottom shelves of all of the store. It's nasty mm. what what gets, you yeah. know, generated by people. No, oh no. That's because your HVAC system pressurizes, and it pressurizes your walls, and that yeah. causes oil fil- uh, soil filtration. I'm not getting into that. It's my work shit. But These demons are smart, man. They're yep. smart. Hey, now, there's dust in this house. I can get it out of the walls. Damn it. <laughs> so the demon still in the child jumps on Ed and says, I could start your stop your heart, old man. And then that's when he hits him. And that's when Ed starts having the heart attack. But they finally are able. Then that's when Arnie comes over, grabs David and is telling the, the demon to take him instead which i guess from reports that's actually what happened not the ed heart attack thing but the fact that arnie grabbed david and they witnessed him yelling at david to you know to take him the demon to take well when they're on the table ed says that don't talk to it like don't address kids don't know how to listen in these movies like do what you're told i think I, i don't think the I don't think Arnie does it because he's not listening. I think Arnie was he, doing it because he cares, he, yeah. he cares for David he a lot. Yeah. But he so, still told him twice not to talk yeah. to it. He d- it he doesn't still, matter. Arnie wanted to help David. I think that's the I whole know, thing. He just didn't but care. He caused it's the Harrison issues. Ford and the Fugitive thing. Instead of just running a little to the right, you have to keep running forward to escape the train. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not thinking in the moment about that. Oh, yes. God, I can't wait to cover the Fugitive. That movie's great. So... Yeah, Ed almost dies. He gets sent to the hospital, having a heart attack. We get to see Judy again, and uh, he's in- intubated, and, you know, it's sad. Arnie, we then are with Arnie and his girlfriend. What's his girlfriend's name again? Debbie? Debbie. Debbie is the, Arnie's okay. girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. David's yeah, sister. Yeah. David says, whatever name yeah. we want to call her, it don't matter. So they... <laughs> Women don't matter in these things. <laughs> so they live above a kennel which I guess Debbie works at and the land. Yeah. And the landlord is also the owner of the kennel and his name is Bruno and he sucks. Yeah. I don't like this character at all. <laughs> oh, 
God. You didn't get stabbed yeah. enough. <laughs> I don't think, listen, yes. I don't know what they're doing to this Camaro in this front yard, but this motherfucker should not be up on blocks or whatever <laughs> they're doing. Like, this movie takes place in 1981, and there's another huge inconsistency I'm going to point out here in a few minutes. But that Camaro, I was like looking at it, I was like, that's way too fucking new for that to be sitting like that in that front yard. But anyway. I mean, look at the... Well, maybe that's where they out. invented the Camaro. I mean, look at the person that, person that possibly owns it. He probably was out driving drunk. He probably was. Yeah, I mean, the biggest problem with Bruno is he's just, he loves to just, he pressures people into things and it's and it's obnoxious. And that's why I hate this character. Because like when David's leaving, or not David, when Arnie's leaving, you know, he's like, hey, Arnie, you know, just getting in his face. He's like touching him and stuff. Like, what the fuck is this? Arnie, come hang out with me. Come listen to music. Fix my radio. Fix my, Let's have fix some my stereo. Let's yeah, do, yeah. Let's, do, let's do some drugs. Debbie, he won't let Debbie Give me some leave. space. Let's go suck some dick, Arnie. It'd be great. It'd be fun. <laughs> Try some stuff out. No, because... Do it with me so your wife doesn't think I'm gay. Or something. <laughs> well, I know, but he says that. Drink with me so your wife doesn't think I'm an alcoholic or something. Like I was yeah. like, dude, what the fuck, man? Or girlfriend. Sorry. She's trying to... Where is she trying to go? And he's like, I'm letting you stay here for free. I don't know. Because she's, she's supposed to be running away. the kennel. Yeah. I'm like... She's gotta just, get away from Bruno. Just like, every dude, time. <laughs> she's just trying to go to the grocery store. Like she's coming back. I need some uh, snacks, man. Calm down, man. Like, she can't go far. <laughs> need some Doritos. I want some Doritos. Can we have some Doritos? Chill. We have Doritos upstairs. <sighs> Chill, and I'll stab you twenty-two times. <laughs> yeah. So they go to Debbie's house. Back to the house where the exorcism happened. What yesterday? <laughs> Two days. Ago. I don't know. <laughs> There's no time. No between There's these no. yeah i'm just gonna say it happened yesterday and everybody's just back to normal again <laughs> it's, it's everybody's cool. like the kid's fine everything's yeah. normal yeah. Well, arnie says uh something about david being out of the woods and i'm like gosh how long ago did this happen right i feel like it was like 12 hours and that was it i do appreciate though when he goes in the house to fetch the plate of ham or whatever he was getting you could still see the claw marks some yes. of the call marks in the wall and I was like I'm glad yes. we didn't just ignore that the set designer yeah. was like no we gotta have the call marks we can't make this look like it claw happened marks a year fix ago themselves, guys. No. Yeah. But, it'd be really cool if claw marks were relevant later in the movie too but uh, really this is cool. this is a scene that just annoys me because it's one of those scenes that has to just go for so long just to feel like just a pad and it's he's in there he sees the cereal get tipped over crashes on the floor he goes in there nothing's there then he goes into the dark hallway and it's just a rat. So no, it was a rat that come out of the cereal. Just a rat. That's right. But so he follows the rat, but then he sees this dark hallway. He goes there and then he sees a hole in the wall and he slowly just looks in there. God, we could have shaved a good three minutes out of this scene if we just got to the point. Like, oh God, when did this glory hole get here? And he like peeks in. I was like, dude, no. Yeah. How tall is that guy? How tall do you have to be for that? I know. <laughs> I was like, Why is the use of there? a step ladder required yes. for this glory hole? Like, this is an extra step that it doesn't need. I feel bad for the rat. Who invited Kareem Abdul Jabbar? <laughs> I know, right? Or, or what's the the really tall Asian guy that plays basketball? Yao Ming. Oh, oh my gosh. yeah, Yao Ming. It, it's him. Yeah. Well, I, I said I said I mean, Kareem be... because he played basketball in the eighties. So <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just saying he, he'd be tall. Yeah, just say. So he looks in the hole and there's and then he turns around and gets attacked by this crusty woman. And oh, it scares oh, the shit man. out of him. 
I thought it was a fucking man. Like, it's look at this YouTube. man here. Like, no. Sorry, <laughs> man. Sir, I mean, ma'am. Oh, God. It's, it's better than a squirt of cum coming through that hole, I think. <laughs> I would rather... <laughs> Oh my god! Yes. Oh, dude, I just got a visual. Well, oh, same. Like as soon as he said it, I was like, "Oh shit!" Well, I also forgot my to eyes. mention the fact that during the exorcism, uh, Lorraine is having visions about this somebody is, lighting yeah. candles and it's doing some sort of ritual. Yeah. 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 Well, I think the cup. thing. It's, I don't yeah, think it's white stuff in a cup. These rats is well, I can't imagine this white stuff. Yeah. So. Here's here's like, my problem with the scene: is that this scene. Like I was saying, it's one scare that they do over and over and over and over and over yes. and over again. And I think that's why it's not scary. It This is exactly what it does. And again, my wife was watching with me and she fell asleep on the couch. And when she woke up, she thought it was skipping around because there was no sound for a little bit. She thought I was skipping and got to a certain part. But this is what happens. Like something will happen. Somebody will sense something. The, the sound will drain out of the movie. It'll go silent. You'll have a shot, like, again, it's, he looks at the glory hole or whatever, or it's something else where you see something in the background and the camera will move and then it'll move back. And then there'll be something there that wasn't there in the shot before, right? And then there'll be a loud screech on the soundtrack. And that happens again. And it, that's the only scare that this movie has. It does it over and over. And I think that's why it didn't scare me because there's a certain point where you're like, I can, I can guess exactly where the beats are. That where the scare is going to come, and so you're you're ahead of the movie. It doesn't yeah. alter its format. It doesn't change its aesthetic. It keeps it the same thing. Like like we're I don't I don't know what it is. Are we stupid or is that all that the director can do? I don't know. Do you guys agree with that? That just seemed like that's the only trick it had up its sleeve for the whole rest of the movie. This is just going to go back to franchise fatigue that we've talked about. Like are they just are they just trying to churn these out year after year, and I just don't think they have enough time to put in like we they think of creative shit to happen in these movies. And it's just, well, you look at I I sorry I compared this to when we talked about Jurassic World. I compared the Raptors in the kitchen scene in that one to the Raptors in the kitchen scene in Jurassic Park. And you're looking, one's directed by a master, and the other's directed by this hot-headed college kid that thinks he can do <laughs> the same thing without the talent. It's, yes. it's that, right? Right. But if you compare any of these scares to the, even in Conjuring 2, where Lorraine encounters Valak, right? She goes, she sees them in the room. It does the same thing where you see the painting on the background. Like she turns the light on or whatever, and that's a good scare. And it, the camera moves away. And when it moves back, your brain is like, there's something that's going to be there when it goes back. But it, it, it happens like two or three times. And nothing happens, and then because and then you're disarmed because you're like, well, what's the you're on edge because the movie's like jerking you around. It's not giving you what you expect. And then Lorraine turns and she sees the shadow Parker, like you're talking about, moving across the wall, right, to the painting. And then you see the hands come out, and then the picture it runs at her. It's a completely different scare yeah. than what you're being set up for. So it's effective. And James Wan is such a good horror director. He's improved so, you know, again, he did Saw, which is fine, but I think he's he keeps getting better at directing and he, he's more skilled and he's improving. So I just like that there's so much fun and so much joy in those sequences and it's never the same thing over and over and over again. And that's what keeps you on edge. It's, it's not just the characters. It's that we don't see the scares coming, even though in retrospect, we really should have. You know what I mean? Right. There's, yeah. there's nothing in this that breaks rules, like I said, but it just does it so well that it feels like Again, it feels fun because you're involved in those kind of things. And this is a movie that just has no tricks up its sleeve. And so you're trying to find something to latch onto. And luckily, I, like we'll talk about, you have the Warrens in it. I feel I feel that because like the, the whole going back to the whole scene with, you know, him looking through the glory hole, whatever. 
<laughs> that's what it's going to be called. Listen, dude, this, there's so much shit that's come up in this. You're talking about glory holes. I mean, you talk about a movie jerking me around, jerking people around. Like, I wish a movie would jerk me around a little bit. I, I really need to make the comments. Come on, Marvel. We need to write down the comments that we make during oh, we do. the these because I forget what we say. We really do it MST3K style while we're watching stuff. And sometimes we'll make a comment and the kids are like, huh? And I'm like, D don't worry about it. Just <laughs> You'll learn when you're older. But I got myself so worked up when he's looking in, you know, the darkness that it didn't, I didn't even get scared when he turned around because I had already been like, well, nothing's happening. That happens. Mm -hmm. I'm like, mm, okay, whatever. Yeah. Like, you could have cut this whole minute of him, literally a minute of him staring at this. I'm like, what is he staring at? It's because they got to drag out the suspense. They try to, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And, you know, some of these movies have done those false jump scares where they they set yeah. you up for something. You're, you're, you're sitting there for like 20, 25 seconds just like, what's going to happen? And then nothing happens. I got more scared by the rat running out of the... Cereal box. box. I just wonder what kind of cereal it was. I think it was Fruit Loops or something like no, that. No, it was they were circular, but they were colored. Off brand. It was like Tricks or something, but <laughs> Tricks is usually the shapes, isn't it? Fruit Loops? No, Tricks is not. No, they, no, not like not, like not like circular donut, but like orb spherical. Oh yeah, Tricks are like that. Before they did, because I remember they had the fruit shape. But I don't know too. when Tricks came out. Just Dan, Dan, they're for kids. Yeah, I was gonna say they're. Yeah. For kids. I know that's what I'm. It's it's is. generic, non-branded cereal that we don't have to pay any, uh, you know, any companies for. That's the kind of cereal. Yes. That it is. <laughs> and that's what we need to look into. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we then see Arnie. He works for like a tree company. He's chopping down some branches, and he's not looking so hot. He's sweating, pale as hell. He is Pale. Yeah, and you see the woman kind of show up in the window, and when Arnie turns to look, she's gone, and then he ends up dropping the chainsaw almost on one of his co-workers. That got me. When that, I'm afraid of chainsaws because I'm just, a, I'm positive, <laughs> yeah. I'm, su I'm sure that I'm going to cut a limb off when I start one of those up. So I'm already on edge with him now. And then when it just starts up, I was like, oh, all right, that got me. But that's just because I'm afraid of chainsaws. It's not I was waiting there. for him to hit somebody <laughs> with it. Like I'm, I, he's going to stab himself, cut his leg off, or something. He's going like, to cut a branch off, and it was going to fall on somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Or he's going to cut the branch that he's attached to. So <laughs> yeah. he he goes home. Happen. And this is when we are back at the hospital. Ed wakes up. He tells Lorraine that it's got Arnie. And of course, like it's you got to have the whole thing where she's like, oh, no, it, it's fine. You know, I don't you know, everybody's OK. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, it went yeah. into Arnie. And so, yeah, Lorraine, he's like, got the kid. Yeah. And Lorraine's got to call around trying to. Okay. Yeah. Try to find where Arnie is to kind of warn them about what's going on. But no one picks up. Because it's loud. Because Arnie comes home from work. He ends up, and he is fucking in horrible shape, but he ends up fixing Bruno's stereo. And Bruno's like trying to force beers on him. And he's like, waste over. it. Like, opens like, you want a beer? Boom, foams everywhere. Like, that's half the drink. All over the Arnie. speaker <laughs> of the stereo system he just fixed. Yes, get beer all over it. Cool. What an asshole. <laughs> this guy, I can't stand this character. <laughs> he sucks. <laughs> and Lorraine then can't get a hold of Arnie or Debbie, so she calls the police and like what her thing is, oh, so we think this guy is possessed 
by a demon and they're just like okay oh no she states that someone someone something's gonna happen at the whatever the name of the kennel was and so they're like all right whatever like the one um phone call in a killer clowns from outer space <laughs> they, they call him and he's just like whatever yeah, yeah. well it's because it's that dickhead cop yeah. Yeah. yeah you're just playing tricks on me again so the demon is messing with Arnie. He's, you know, get like putting visions into him about like, there's the one where Bruno and Debbie are getting really close and intimate with each other while they're dancing. But then it flashes to what's actually happening. And Debbie's kind of scared because she doesn't want to dance with Bruno, but she sees that Arnie's all fucked up. And, and at what point they're like, they're like together dancing and that cuts. They're like not even near one another. They're like apart. No, because that's another. what I'm saying. It's the vision yeah. then going into reality. Yeah. Yeah. So the jealousy. And of course we see then Bruno kind of transforms into this tall demon and attacks. And so they, so Arnie is like being very defensive, getting Debbie out of there and forces her out. He falls down inside the kennel and he's waiting for this demon to come around the corner. Which I I thought this was this was a pretty good shot of I like how it shot the dark. This whole stuff. You're expecting something to come around the corner and it just goes into the shadow, and then it comes out and attacks him, and then of course in the lower part of the screen. Yeah, yeah. and I just like oh, go ahead. Oh no, I, I was just say he he he's able to grab his knife and just start stabbing, and you don't see it happening. You just it pans out yeah. from the house, and you just hear Debbie going, Arnie, stop, stop, stop. Yeah, and I, like, I was I just, expecting it to be her. I like right. That's what we talked about. Like she fucking iced both of them. But um, this whole thing we were watching it. And I just like you said. I kind of just like how it was shot because we've seen how these demons have had different effects on people. Just mm-hmm. even if you just count the Conjuring movies, but not really to this extent yeah. that I recall. Like this dude looks like he's tripping the fuck out on something mm-hmm. like crazy intense. Like. The room's getting dark, colors are changing, there's that bright red coming from the window, and everything else is around, it's dark. And I don't like the whole red thing. It feels I, too comic booky. Oh, I don't I don't disagree. Like cartoony. Much, but that's why I mentioned the psychedelics. But I'm just saying, like, it's different than what we've got, because usually the demons just possess people and the possessed people kill that people. It's not like where it fucks with somebody's reality and makes them kill other people. You don't really right. see that as much, yeah. I don't think, at least not from this perspective. It almost feels like he's fighting it. Like, he see has seen what's happened, but he's like, he knows that he's been possessed because he asked it to happen. So he's kind of <laughs> trying to fight it. Yeah. Whereas some people don't know that it's happened. Like, like when it's possessed kids. So it's like, they they don't have much to fight with yeah. Yeah. because... Their mental capacity is much Not lower than yet. adults. Yeah. So, I, so I felt like it had to fight harder against yeah, the, him. The, the two things I'll mention here, and again, that's cool, Dan, that you're saying it because, yeah, it's effectively shot. And Parker, you said, like, you, that's nice to scare it. You don't expect it to come from the bottom of the thing, right? I think this is the last sequence in the movie that engaged me in any way. I liked that it, again, we're kind of questioning, like, how, what, how, what time is it? Because, Ed's still in, in bed, he's still in a coma or whatever, or he's still under, and the, but the, the the possession is okay, like the exorcism, like David's all right, so we, we're questioning that. But I like the format of about how we can sense something's going to, we know that something's going to happen with, with uh, Artie, right? But then when uh, Ed wakes up, he's like, no, you got to get on the phone, so, and he because he saw it, right? And so I like that juxtaposition, I thought that was effective, 
a building to that, but also the fact that in that kennel, it's there's the dogs that are yelling. There's also it's so cluttered and it's so claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. And and Dan, like you said, there's he spills beer everywhere and it's so loud. And then he's obviously he's, he's sick or something where he imagines again when you're jealous, you imagine stuff like that. Even though it's so, yeah. I I don't even wouldn't even pin something like that on the sickness. It's just all this this external like uh, barrage of stuff that's happening to him. It's affecting him. I just think. For me, it might have been a little better if you didn't show uh, Bruno changing into the demon. Like, again, right. we're, like we question, like, is it a heart attack or is it a, an exorcism like we've never seen? I would have liked the idea maybe better of it. Like, it's just, is it in his brain or is it a possession? You know what I mean? Yeah, they yeah. question you from the visuals. Instead of, it flat out shows you, there's no question that it's it's the demon, right? Um, and so that's, I think that's affected, but I also think that that's Chaves, Chaves, is that how you pronounce the yeah. director's last name, right? I think that's his problem. He doesn't, he goes for the easy scares. He goes for the easy things instead of like challenging you. Because again, I don't know yeah. if he knows how to do that, right? And so that's, again, that's the problem between this movie and the first two is he doesn't have James Wan's intuitive, like, how to, how far to stretch out his scene, like, how to do the colors, how to make it dark, how to make some things unseen, right? I don't think he has those chops. But again, what I love about these Conjuring movies, and Parker, you just said it, and you guys talked about it, it cuts away. You don't see the murder. You see him stab him kind of once, but it's fast, like in Psycho, right? You, you kind of get a gist of it. And you don't know, did he kill Debbie? It kind of hints at this stuff. But that's another thing, and I, I mentioned this on your first Conjuring thing, is what I loved about their first Conjuring is the story about how they they shot for a PG or a PG-13, and the tone that Juan got was so terrifying that when the MPAA got to it, they were like, oh, we can't we can't rate this a PG. It's You've created an atmosphere that's too heavy for a PG. And so Juan was like, well, what do I cut out? There's no language, there's no sex, there's no violence. And like, we don't know what to cut. You can't cut anything out. We have to release it with an R. And that excited me because, to me, the scariest movie that I've ever seen is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original mm-hmm. one, because they don't show you any violence. But when you remember that movie, you remember it being violent and gory because they shoot it in a way. Toby Hooper shot it in a way that makes your brain imagine. And it's so much more disturbing than seeing it actually happen, Yeah, yeah. which I think is a problem with the remake. And so that's what I love about those this conjuring too there's no language there's no sex there's no graphic violence it's mostly hinting at stuff and to me it's scarier because i'm imagining what this stuff you know what i mean yeah yeah so for for chaves to actually show me this stuff and oh this is what's happening and leave me no room for mental processing i think that's the the main difference and the problem i have with him versus juan directing but yeah it's i think this is the last section of the whole movie that i thought was (laughs) engaging on a structural level so Arnie is walking down the street covered in blood and the cop shows up and I do like the the whole thing of when you're possessed, you know, you got the glossy eyes, you got the veins kind of coming cool. out, but as soon as the cop shows up, it all goes away. Yeah. So it just looks like he killed someone. So we then are in the prison or at least where he's being kept and Ed and Lorraine are there interviewing him and pretty much stating he's not possessed anymore. And it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. He's like, well, he was able to read from the Bible and we have all these things that should have triggered this demon, but clearly there's nothing there. I love the, uh, was this the priest who was leaning against the wall, kind of listening to everything? Was that the same priest we see later in the, in the prison? Who hands the guy on suicide watch a glass bottle? What the hell, man? Yeah. (laughs) Right. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's the same guy. Yeah. Idiot. So pretty much it's this whole thing of we got to prove that he was possessed at the time that he committed the murder. And so they visit his lawyer and Ed and Lorraine are trying to convince her to use demonic possession as a defense, which has never been done before. And Ed's like, well, I think we can convince you to do this if you come to our house and walk around our museum, which you never get to see, by the way. It's just... She, they just they yeah, say it. Out of her mind. Yeah, and she's just terrified in the courtroom, and you know she Get makes an the call. name drop. Yeah. What do you guys think of that? That was the first instance of stuff that I was like, "Don't do that." Like later, they go, "Oh, look what we got from the Perones." Like it's oh, guys, the Perons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't, you oh, don't need fine. to do that. I know that they exist, right? So what, what do you? When they mentioned Annabelle, I was like, "You don't." I know that Annabelle. I'm not an idiot. Like, what do you? This yeah. is not, you know, what I, do you guys, did you like that or when they would drop stuff? No, I didn't like that. I didn't, at all. I didn't think it needed to be um, mentioned by name. Like the fact that he goes, Hey, we'll, we'll introduce you to Annabelle. And it's like, did we yeah. have to say uh, that? Just come to the museum. That's all you got to tell them. Yeah, come exactly. Very We're gonna, we would think museum. Annabelle. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. introduce you to our special. It's like, we've watched three movies with her name on it. Plus she's another movie. It's like, we're, we're good. Yeah. We don't need her anymore. Yeah, um, it's lazy. So, yeah, we get to the courtroom. She's terrified. She makes the call not guilty by, you know, demonic possession demonic or whatever. Possession. And, of course, after this is done, she comes out and talks to the Warrens later and is like, well, now they're going to push for the death penalty. I'm like, yeah. what? I mean, I don't understand yeah. law and I don't understand how that all works, but maybe it was because of how malicious it was, but like the death penalty on one guy, isn't that usually, I mean, I, like I said, I don't understand how that all works. What was the name of the, um, from the Amityville horror? What was the name of the guy that the Rue, what was oh, the main uh, guy? Um, the oh God, Ronnie DeFeo. DeFeo. He, again, I think the case was he went to the police saying a hitman killed my family and then it was proved that it wasn't. So he was like, Oh, I was possessed because yeah. that defense didn't work. Oh, that didn't work. And then later when he's in prison, he's like, oh, I was actually married to somebody and I was with a friend and both of them could corroborate stuff. And it's like, but that per the friend you're, was, you're talking about never existed. Mm -hmm. The woman you're talking about is was married at the time living in some other county. So I don't know if that kind of ties it like the courts are like aware of this stuff. It's like, oh, this is a malicious murder and he's trying to demonic possession. Like that's, yeah. this is, he's obviously trying. I don't know if that ties in or that has anything to do with it. Well, I just I thought it was interesting because this is the, a famous case where they tried to make like we talked about the first demonic, but the movie is not about that at all. I thought that would have been more interesting if they tried to. How impactful was this on the judicial system? But they don't. It's kind of like just a throwaway line. They don't concentrate it at all. It it, it becomes again a generic movie instead of trying yeah. to do something a little bit more. Oh, I different. agree. I just feel you know you 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 use that title. The devil made me do it, which is the name of this case because that's pretty much what he states and then we kind of venture off into this we're trying to figure out why this is all happening but it just kind of yeah it goes off into a weird direction where at points you don't even feel like they connect you're like oh yeah they're trying to prove that this kid was possessed by it oh okay now we see it because they show a scene with him and he's going through some shit but then you go back to them investigating this witch and you're and, and, and at moments you're just like What's happening again? Like, where are we? Like, where <laughs> yeah, yeah. is this the same movie? What are we doing? We've here? lost the thread. This is my big complaint, and Angela pointed out because this is the exact scene. This is what I was talking about earlier. 
This is, I, I may have pooched it on the Maverick thing, but I'm not pooching it on this thing. Oh. When they went to court, it was 1981, and I'm dying on this fucking hill. And in front of the courthouse is a Ford LTD, not the big ones, they made a small one, I owned one. They only made it from 83 to 86, and this was an 81. The earliest that car would have existed was an 82, so they fucked it up. I think they're doing this, Dan, just so so people like you can feel alive. I do. I just <laughs> and he does that. He cannot he cannot tell you what color a car was, but he can tell you what make and model it yeah. is. See, I don't remember what color this car was. But the only reason I know was because you know the car existed. I seen it on the outside. Well, yeah, but I own you it. You put no in the movie. Yeah, you pointed it. I looked at. I was like, the only reason I knew it is because I had one. I was like, I know those tail lights. I own that car, and I was like, wait a minute, this isn't right. Because that's just how I am. Get a look but at his watch. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait, I'm you're racist. racist. <laughs> he's like, well, he's like, what year did this trial take place? I did. And I was wait like, wait a minute. And I'm like, I don't know what it says. I see they pop up what time the actual courtroom thing is. I could. It's all in 1981. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, it, yes, I'm just gonna say yes to what all you guys were saying. Well, I don't know how how not how easy it was to make it. A th- not a thing, but like to put it into trial as mental, like, um, a, mental, like a mental because of mental illness, like, like mental illness. Like they probably could have gotten him off easier as saying, "Oh, he had a mental illness," as opposed to demonic possession. Because, like, who's gonna believe that? Well, yeah, but was that really? But this was in 1981. Was was the mental illness claim that? But supposedly his his brother. I'm pretty sure it was his his brother, if I read correctly, said that he had something mentally wrong. That's very possible. I'm just saying, like at this time, though, was that defense? Because I know we hear about nowadays. Demonic possession as a I, I, I really think it has so. something to do with the with the Warrens being showmen, right? They mm-hmm. they wanted attention and they got it for making it demonic. I think that's what it was. They saw and this as a, a as a a way to get their name in the spotlight, an additional way. And I, I think that's why they made such a big deal out of it. Yeah, I I, I feel like they kind of they they don't care about the people is in real yeah. life. It seems they don't care about the, they just care about making a name for themselves by doing. I just felt the, like they the did him dirty explain. with that. Yeah. With, the movie does not justify it at all, right? But I also feel like if they would have pursued the mental illness, that he probably would not be out. Yeah, he would know. still be. He would probably be in a mental, mental facility. Yeah. Yeah. So. Of course, Ed and Lorraine have to investigate. They've got to prove, you know, that uh, Arnie was possessed during the whole thing. So they go back to the Galatzel's house and they talk to, of course, they're, Debbie's there helping them out. They go into the room that supposedly David first encountered the demon. And the waterbed. The waterbed scene. Which is cool. Which was a good shot. I I, I like that whole that, that sequence. I thought it was played out pretty well, and because I think this actor does a really good job at showing fear, like that he was mm-hmm. terrified, because oh, he yeah. gets you know you get the whole thing where he's on the bed. You see the the kind of the dead body float up. He doesn't realize it's there, but then when he but he feels something, so he gets off, and then the hand comes out, grabs him, and he fights for a while. Like it's a like you, I. 
I remember seeing this movie, but I, I always thought that he gets sucked into the bed like Johnny Depp and Nightmare on Elm Street. Just, I said, see you later. <laughs> and of course, he's all soaking wet. His parents come in and it's one of those things. It's like, what did the parents think? What did the parents think happened that he was just fooling around? And he just like popped the bed. Is that the last time we see the parents even like where yeah. do they go for the rest of the movie? I don't think no, they're they gone. Exist. Yeah. Well, I mean, and this is a flashback, too. So this is even before yeah. everything we see in the beginning of this movie. And I don't remember seeing, I don't remember seeing the dad outside of when he got stabbed in the thigh. Like that yeah. was like, yeah, they were there. But then where did they go? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, <laughs> well, the funniest thing they, is this kid's screaming. But, yeah. And no one hears him. But it's also the but also it yeah. pops into my head every time because we've talked about it many times on a lot of these episodes is like the, the demons can kind of fuck with, you know, reality. And so like you could be screaming, but no one hears you because they're messing with the the plane of reality. And, you know, they want to make sure no one finds out. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're trying to figure out, you know, what happened to, where was the waterbed was here. They look under, there's like the stain, but I guess it, there, Ed realizes it's not a water stain that it's actually caused by something else. So Lorraine goes into the most terrifying crawl space, which I would have been like, nah, I'm good. Can we get some nope. dusters? Can I get at least these cobwebs out of here before I crawl through this hole? I Did you guys anything. notice Mm-mm. they, we talked about it before about how like you're a man and you don't want to admit that something's wrong. Right. I like the the thing that I that really hooked me for this movie is every time you see some something between Farmiga and Wilson, some connection that between them. Like the first time we see it is when Farmiga's they're asking what's going to happen to Ed after he's had the heart attack, right? And the doctor doesn't know, and she gets a look on her face that just speaks volumes for what her world would be and how much she loves him and how mm-hmm. much her world would shatter without him. And yeah, we have the first two movies to go on, but even if we didn't have that, I think Farmiga's acting at that point sells you on the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. You cut to this part, and yeah, Ed's around, but he has to hobble on a cane. He's not allowed to do things. His heart's still weak. You look on his face as you realize she's going to have to go down because he can't, and he's worried. He doesn't want her to go down there. And yeah, it's a man thing, but when he says, I don't want you to go down there, she rolls her eyes like she's incapable of this stuff. Like, I can do this stuff too, right? Yeah. But I thought yeah. the line was funny when she goes, just hold my purse. Yeah, <laughs> she, she inadvertently emasculate. I don't think she did it on purpose. Like she's just hold my purse. But Ed, from a screenwriting perspective, you're like, oh, that's funny because it's saying she's doing the man's work. So again, every they what would every time there was a connection, I would latch onto that and go, okay, I'm reinvested because they're getting the characters right. This, the scares aren't working, but the Warren relationship is really doing it for me. So that was another. That was, and I'll mention a few others as they. Yeah, I mean, anytime they're doing anything, keeps me engaged. Because they're yeah, such they're engaging great. characters. Yeah, because I said, she's like, hold my beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. <laughs> it's it's funny. Funny. Yes, I love yeah. it. Because you even have the moment where she's under the crawl space and she of the she sees the rats and she screams. And he's like, Lorraine, are you okay? And she's like, it was just a rat, Ed. A rat. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. But she sees that all these rats are like conjugating in this one area and it's directly under that stain. And she finds this totem, this satanic totem, which when they bring it back and talk to Father Gordon, he figures out that it's that someone has set a curse on the family. And so he recommends they talk to Father Kasner, who was a former former priest who like, you know, 
lives off lives over by down by the river, you know, as Chris Farley once said. In a van. This this is the first instance I wrote down. This is the first instance where it's a law and order episode (laughs) where it's about the gathering of like the father goes, oh, here's a guy that I know that you can go and interview. And so they do that. And they like, again, a law and all it's missing is the gung gung. I was about to say I was waiting. Someone please recut this movie as a law and order episode. And every time we go to a different location, location, because I want to know where they are. Is this Connecticut still? I don't know. Why not, right? It's New England, somewhere in New England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like my backyard. Whatever. Um, so they go. So I guess he's somebody who discovered the secrets behind the disciples yeah. of the Ram, who I guess were. It doesn't matter. They're a band. It's fine. No, yeah, well, it's they, it, it, it links with Annabelle because that was the group yeah. that yes. Annabelle Higgins was a part of, okay. which then set up Annabelle the doll. Those damn Rams. Yeah. I know. What the fuck, dude? St. Louis, get your ass out of here. Man. Oh, I was going to say. What are you uh, talking about? They're much. LA now. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Fuck. I'm, I'm dated. <laughs> I got you. I, I said too much dodge, not enough ram. Something like that. Fucking ram. Dude, stop that. Also, fuck you too, Mopar. Get, away, get rid of the damn ram. Brand. It was stupid as shit. Make them dodge pickups again. God. <laughs> Jeez, it was so it's nothing dumb. to do with this movie right now. Well, you want to start tangents. making connections to... Uh, I, I love our the tangents. They're the, best. No. the later Halloween movies into this no. show. Oh my gosh! Ugh. You see this tattoo? <laughs> oh hell! <laughs> ah! oh, he's gonna end up muting all of us, and he's just gonna keep talking, and we're gonna try and talk, and he's just gonna be like, mute, mute, mute. "Yes, <laughs> yes, I'm gonna start that now, Angela." 125 episodes in, this is when I start Finally. muting you and keep going. Do it. Here's mute, my shot. Mute this one. Do it. Do it. Just do it. So they go to visit Father Kastner and he shows off his cool room of all the goodies that he's gotten from investigating the or being a part of the cult of Ram and looking into everything that's going on. That's a that's a nice juxtaposition to the Warrens. Yeah. What yeah. they're what they're doing, right? Their museum, right? I like how Lorraine says you need to burn this stuff, right? Well, she's and like, I don't want to go down thing. there. That was yeah. like her first thing. But, yeah. The yeah. caster says, yeah. I'm just keeping this. It's kind of like keeping guns out of the hands of uh, off the streets, right? Keeping this. So he's doing the exact same thing that they're yeah. doing, right? I just think that the whole this, and again, this goes back to the difference between Juan and Chaves. The way that this whole, even when they're on the porch, it's shot all in shadows mm-hmm. and it's paced and it's lit in such a way that you're on edge. And I'm like, what? The thing with the first two conjurings is one was able to shoot it. So a lot of the normalcy, when you all of a sudden a horror comes up, then all of a sudden there's you can sense a change. Something's different. When you do this whole movie in those dark shadows, even on a porch, yeah. I think you're really overplaying your hand. It's too much. It, it doesn't. That's what I'm talking. It doesn't give you the room to figure it out for yourself. It's telling you that something is creepy to the point where it kind of tips its hand that we're going to come back here, just like a Law and Order episode where we come back and we visit, you know, again a, a suspect that we've already chatted with. It just the, it's a little too obvious, I think, for me. The filmmaking here. I don't know how you guys feel about that. No, I mean, I I kind of agree. It, I, and you're not the first person to mention the fact that it kind of feels like a Law and Order episode or multiple Law and Order episodes, where it's just yeah. like. Yeah, we're just kind of jumping from place to place a lot where we're not kind of focusing a lot in one location. We're kind of and that's, we're here. That's a part of the dullness. Then it, it we're dulls. here. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing about more like a TV show. uh, Yeah. And I think that's why the first two worked so well was we were pretty much in one core location. I mean, the conjuring Two jump between like the Warrens and then the house over in Enfield. Mm -hmm. But the Warrens weren't involved for a lot of that Enfield stuff until like you get to the end of the movie when they (laughs) are there to investigate. But this one is like, yeah, they're in this location. Then they're in this location and then they're back at this location. And yeah, (laughs) So I've had it since you guys brought the shit up. <laughs> I, I also hate how it keeps cutting to the because they did it in the first two where we cut to like the demon doing something. We wouldn't know what was going on. But the, the little um yeah, the, the thing that she's doing, it keeps cutting away to her like her, her procedure, whatever the word is, like the little things she's doing with the and it's it just it was like I've seen this in so many movies. Why are we doing this? You yeah. know what I mean? It's it's just it, I don't know. It's showing it her doing the like same thing in her ritual. It's like yeah, rituals. Thing. That's what I'm looking for. It's yeah, just, she's it's, lighting it's the just, candle. She's adding things to this cup. Yeah, it's and tired. Yeah. So of course, Ed and Lorraine are like, "We need to stop. You stop this. You know, witch who's controlling this." And he's like, "Well, you know, it's gonna. It may cost you everything to do it." And they're like, oh, "Okay, we got this mission. Except we're tough as shit. Don't yeah. worry about yeah. us, yeah. Chief. Mission impossible." <laughs> so this is when the witch activates the demon and I think this is is this what happened is this the one where he's like mopping up the uh, infirmary and he yeah. starts yeah. and he sees something in the corner and the fact that you just said she activates the demon just oh, <laughs> why? I just, I just thought like switch. yeah you flip up the protective cover and then you push the toggle yeah. up demon activated got it yeah so yeah. well what <laughs> She did what lazy ass screenplay. She did what Hocus Pocus did. Okay, they let the candle just free. (laughs) I said she's got to stop lighting the damn black candles. Just, just saying. She got a bunch of them on sale at Home Goods. (laughs) Is she a virgin? Probably not. I don't think. Dude, listen, listen. (laughs) I'm not going to make a joke about that. I'm just going to involve cobwebs and a really dry corridor. Is all I'm going to (laughs) say. Right. The fun thing is that I know exactly where, where all the Dan's dust came goes. from. That is probably where all the dust came from. <laughs> What's so dusty just, here? Well, Derek, we just, if you just did it once in a while, it wouldn't be so dusty. We just went up our, our glory hole metaphor. That's the next step up. That's kids great. Used to, awesome. Kids used to make fun of her when she was little. We call her like dirt devil. <laughs> I, you, oh no! Oh, well, okay, have- so we're with the we're back with does the dust warrants. go there, Dan? Does yeah. dust go there? Is that where dust? That's can go? where it comes from. <laughs> this is when we get the parent shout out because we needed it yeah. for no reason. Like, look sure. what the parents sent us—some flowers. Like, hey. why? Why did we? We know that they were there. <laughs> They're doing okay, guys. We're, they're good. We're, they're good. Yeah, yeah, they're all right, guys. They moved out of the house, I think. And uh, yeah, everything's fine. So now it's time to go to Danvers Mass because... I'm young. <laughs> and I they do. actually show that they're going to Danvers. I was like, wow, why uh, don't we get any other locations? Yeah. So they meet a, a cop who wow. talks about a girl and her friend that disappear. This could take him out of the movie. All of this. The friend, the friend is found dead with twenty-two stab wounds, and the other one is just gone. And they're like, oh, "It's just like, you know, the situation we're dealing with." Mm. And they're like, "Oh yeah, this totem was found under the house of the girl Jessica. I think Jessica was the one who killed, stabbed her friend." 
the actress who played Jessica, who was Ingrid Bisu, who played, well, who'd she play in The Nun? Uh, Sister Oana. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Lorraine also has to prove her powers. You get that whole thing where it's like, she's not a sideshow. And she's he's like, Ed, shut up. It's fine. I can just, I'll just do this real quick. She does it really fast, proving to the guy that she's magical. And so they then have a conversation in the car about Elvis. I like the whole thing. It's like, you know, have you ever met Elvis? You know, yeah, I met him alive and I've met him, you know, after. <laughs> here's here's what's great. And again, Dan's going to go because this really has they tangentially try to tie it in. So it gives you an excuse to do this whole finding the again, this is their they're solving a case like in a Law and Order episode. But I loved how I like the part how like she's not a sideshow. And then Lorraine's like, this this is it. This is the one yeah. like this. Get all this from like and the cops like, OK. And then they're in the car, the car. And he's like, that was a one in three chance. Right. You could have done that. No. And it cuts to Ed in the back smiling. That was that was the first nice thing. And then when they have the conversation about Elvis and she says, like, was that before or after? She said, before and after. And then it cuts to a shot of Ed just charmed by his wife. Just yeah. he just enjoys her and enjoys her sense of humor. And that's every now every time it would have one of those moments, it would just nail me back in. Like, oh yes, I love these characters and I'm involved. That was another that was another thing. Even I'm at just in, interview room you see ed take charge and there's a shot of lorraine where you could tell she's proud of her husband for being a take charge guy yeah there's just a quick shot of it so there's a lot of that back and forth and it's yeah. not that i feel like this is all this is a bad scene because there's things i like about it. like you talk about yeah. the car ride and there's right, a few right. things that happened during this but it felt like like you said there was there was this was another scene that just felt like a lot of padding that probably could have been condensed even though i don't think it was shot and executed poorly i just yeah, exactly. I don't. Yeah. They don't. These movies don't always need to be two hours, an hour, fifty-two minutes, and like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's just me. You just you could have simply had the investigator go, sure, I'll take you, and then that's it. You could have <laughs> done that. It's just a little bit of a character yeah. building. So yeah. yeah, I absolutely agree with you. It's it's kind of padding, but I I wouldn't trade it because of that. You know, the scene right. in the car I think was worth. Yeah, it. So, yeah, because it's I, these two very interesting characters, mm-hmm. yeah. as we've stated many okay. times. I absolutely get your misgivings, and you said too. There's nice parts in it, so yeah, perfect yep. way to describe. So we, before we hop back into the woods, we're back with David and Debbie. They're visiting Arnie at the at the prison, and David kind of talks about his experience being possessed and like what he remembers himself going through. And literally, Arnie's like, that yep, cool. "That's pretty much everything that's happening to me now." Right. Again, <laughs> he's just white as a ghost. He's just looks like he's been through, you know, he's been pounded into the dirt pretty much. And, you know, just, yeah, he's going through it. So we then go back to the woods where Lorraine is trying, they're trying to find Jessica. So they go to the location of where her friend was found. And I like the whole fact that like, she has to point that out. Like, Oh, you already passed it. You gotta go you missed your turn. Yeah. yeah, you missed He's a like, road. I missed a turn. He's like, and oh, the investigator, yeah. the cop is like weirded out. It's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> That's a fun touch. <laughs> so she then goes into this vision. Like she is able to like kind of put herself in the situation between Jessica and her friend. And she sees, you know, how they're really good friends. They have like the cool friends bracelets and everything. And then she just out of nowhere stabs her friend. Yeah. And then. Mm-hmm. And, and then, she do. Yeah. Yeah. And it then goes from Jessica to Lorraine 
acting out the stabbings to the point where it gets so to be so much that Ed's like, okay, that's enough. Like we got to stop this. But then she just starts running. She just starts running away, goes through the woods and then stops right as she's about to fall off a cliff. And then to be honest, I, my problem with this was the fact that this demon hand grabs her to drag her off the cliff. I wish she just slipped and started to fall off. Where did the demon come? Was it the same? Was it the curse that was doing that to her? Just an yeah, that makes sense yeah. though. They weren't like directly that directly connected yet. No. Yeah. It, it, it was a scare. This happened because yeah. I missed the whole. And it wasn't even scary. Yeah, it wasn't. No. <laughs> I was like, my favorite part about this whole scene is uh, I blank his name because I can't think of it. The guy who put Ed. Oh, Patrick, uh, Wilson. His, Patrick Wilson. It, it, Patrick Wilson. His physical acting when he's like dying, trying to keep up with his wife. Fucking sweat and bullets, like oh god! Yeah. Like, but we know we know why he's yeah. chasing after her, right? And we know why yeah. he we know he's not going to stop. It's yeah. all in their performances, and it's all in the right. Again, the thing that works, the the only thing that works brilliantly in this movie is their relationship and all those things. I like when they have at the paramedic, and the paramedic says we found a body, and but he gives the the paramedic she gives him a a, a pill whatever yeah. and he goes oh i have these i left them at home and farmiga lorraine shoots him a shot that i recognize like my wife gives me that look all the time mm-hmm. of like are you an idiot like yeah. what you forgot that so again such a good throwaway moment that i don't even know was in the script it was probably farmiga and wilson just planned this whole thing out to make that work well i so I, I always and find, and I find it funny that the paramedic was like don't do that again. Don't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she. I feel the paramedic was probably married and is like, "You idiot! You did this. You knew, you, you know, you know what's happening. Don't, yeah. don't do that. Don't put your wife through that." But I feel like Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga have that relationship because they've worked so long with each other. Mm-hmm. That it's not just them working together. They're friends. They, you know, they have that relationship more than likely outside of the movies. So it's easier for them. Yeah. I think their chemistry was, again, it was there from the very beginning. That's hard to do. It is so hard to do. And they're they're just, they're they're nuancing it. And they're giving it these extra little nuances and touches. And they're refining it. And it's so good. It's like, yeah, I, I... I can't say enough about their performances. Like you said, Parker, any scene with them is just gold because they've just got it. They've got that chemistry down in that relationship. So they, yeah, they uncover the body or recover the body, uncover the body. I mean, they, they fish it out too. Yeah, because because yeah. Lorraine says it's she's down there. She's dragon tug. Yeah. yeah. So Arnie's girlfriend Debbie calls them and says, you know, he's the pretty much like. It's trying to persuade him to kill himself. So they need to put him on a suicide watch and he gets put in his own little secluded cell. And then the, yeah, again, the father of the prison brings him holy water in a glass bottle. What? Yeah. How was this allowed? That's like bringing metal into Magneto's plastic prison. Like, why would you do that? (laughs) But iron. I also have everybody has iron in their blood. <laughs> I also have a feeling that this lady knows how to persuade other people. Like, like yeah, how it plays, I, uh, how it plays out in the other movies where 
there's a certain thing that's there that the demon can wiggle its way into. Yeah. Maybe and, put the idea in his head to give him the glass. Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. kind of like, oh, hey, you should probably do this. But, like, she has, because she can possess Lorraine, like, back and forth. They can go well, back she doesn't possess her. She is able Not to possess- communicate with her. Yeah, her through visions or whatever. The link goes yeah. both ways, yeah. though. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, which but, we're getting to that she, scene. But could she have done this before? Because Lorraine's been around all these people. Yeah. Well, she didn't know that yet because she doesn't mention until that scene happens. That, but could it have happened? Yeah, but they didn't know who they were at that point. Yeah, she could have gotten Arnie. Arnie's been around him. Well, it, they don't specifically say it. You know, we make fun of it because it's us, right? Because it, it's fun to, to put. But it's one of those things that, well, that's funny that he would take glass in there. But then that's it. Like, it doesn't, it's not a movie killer. But you could make the explanation that she somehow manipulated him or influenced him to give him that glass bottle. or put Because that's what the devil does. That's what the God does. They kind of put yeah. their voice in your head to make it think that it's, you know, it's you, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, well, see, the, that could be, but have... it's never dramatized. Well, you see it later, though, that it. I think it works like any of the other demons, like in the first Conjuring movie. Remember, uh, Bathsheba didn't fuck with at the Warren's house until that locket got opened up and the demon saw them. So if it doesn't the know who they are or what they are, if they exist, it needs to know that they're a thing. And I think this works because that's why uh, the cult person had uh, Arnie's picture on the thing at the end of the movie. But I think she, they have to see them. So I don't, if she doesn't know who that person is, she, they can't directly interact with them unless the person's nearby. But she, Lorraine saw the whole altar from the very beginning. Very quickly. Yeah, but she gets the, the vision but, real quick. But they, well, they even specify that doesn't happen yet until she talks to her. Then she knows who she is. I don't think that Lorraine realizes it. Until that happens. It could be, but they're not, like, you don't get a lot of direct interaction, except for the scene we're just talking about right now, where the, the thing grabs her leg. is like the first real direct interaction with him outside of the exorcism. Well, not to, not to play marriage counselor or anything, but I, I see both of your points. It could be explained either way. The thing is, it doesn't really talk about it. To, no, it just the, the language of the movie, he just absentmindedly gives him, like, maybe the guy's just dumb. You know what I mean? Here's some water. water. You know, it's it's... It, it can be explained. I can see both of your yeah. points. Definitely and I can see it from I can see it from both ways because he does seem like he just wants to do the right thing and he doesn't think about it. He'd probably choke on the plastic. I, <laughs> I don't think I don't think he has heard about the suicide watch. I think they've not. just and you know, he could have just been put in there because he was causing problems or whatever. Yeah, it's true. That may not have happened at that point. Yeah. Like it, it, there's, there's a lot that it, I just like looking around. No, I, I, to, I, I take the long way around certain things. Like I, I like to explain why it could happen. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is we've argued that point longer than it actually exists in the movie, right? That's what we do best. That's that's what we do. That's how. <laughs> that's how that. I I look at movies yeah. like this i want to know and it may not explain why it happens but my brain is like 
I have this little hamster. could have happened that way. I have yeah. a few hamsters working in my brain. One works really, really fast, and the other is just like kind of over here, like, what's for dinner? Like, yeah. what are we going to eat for breakfast tomorrow? Like, that. it's that one that likes to figure out the small things. Yeah. So, again, Lorraine has a vision about the witch, and but she needs to make contact with Jessica's body to see if there's still a connection between Jessica and the witch. So she goes to, they break into the funeral home to then have her touch Jessica. She goes into like her vision and then this turns into a zombie movie because the witch is able to possess a dead body to attack Ed so that she can attack Lorraine. Or no, she. I think she possesses the thing, the cadaver to uh, attack Lorraine while she's in the trance, and mm-hmm. Ed has to like stay stay in the way and and protect Lorraine. Make him run. But he, uh, this, it, it just it, it was so weird. I was like, what? Where has this this franchise gone? Like, what direction are we in? Like, this used to be about just dealing with demons and, and, and trying to rid demons. And now we're, we're playing with, now we got zombies. Like this is, this is in my eyes, a zombie. It reminded me later. You guys have seen the fog, right? John Carpenter's the fog. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that part where they're on the, they've discovered the sailors that have been killed. And I think it's Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, I don't know the, the Tom Atkins who are in the boat. And as you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is figuring something out. You see that one of the bodies get up and, and move, right? But even in that, they just decided to have a shock. It makes no sense for that body to be moving, but they just wanted a shock at that yeah. point. And it, it works. So it's still scary seeing this giant lumbering monster kind of But yeah, it's like, where have we... <laughs> what What is this? There, it, there isn't a, there's even a cool shot of like Ed on one side and Lorraine on the other and the monster in the foreground. I, yeah. I like that. But it's mm-hmm. like, what? Like, this is... I don't know. This isn't jiving with the first two movies that, that I fell in love with. And I think the biggest problem is the fact that it returns. This yes, zombie again, comes yeah. back. It becomes, <laughs> yeah, it becomes a fixture. In the, in the, it's like Ed's nightmare. <laughs> yeah. This monster can travel very, very fast yeah. for the size of it, too. He looks like Danny DeVito's penguin, just at a six foot height. <laughs> I, it's funny, you know, he he goes to attack Lorraine and, and Ed protects her. He disconnects the connection. And I love it. As soon as he does it, he just hits the ground but it was the fact of Lorraine coming out of it and knowing that the witch could see her and was able to talk to her and so it's like the connection goes both ways yeah again we've seen this in countless movies before it's it's nothing (laughs) not engaging at all I don't think no um where the hell am I here uh so Ed fights the zombie sort of we already talked pretty much talked about that so they try so the whole thing is now where's this altar at like it, it's it's yeah. now that's the mystery like where is the altar and yeah why is this a murder mystery all of a sudden like in this franchise it becomes a again i don't law and order kind of but uh, murder mysteries do this all the time where they're well it's got to be somewhere in the vicinity it's like what wasn't this a haunted house? Like they were like ghosts. Like what is like I don't know. It's just uh, one one step too far. I think it's just strange that they have all this happening. 
I mean, that was, I think, that was one of James Wan's biggest thing was the fact that he wanted to get away from the haunted house. Well, haunted aspect. house, right? So, but is that something that we're are is Parker and, and Dan is is that something that we're fighting against? Like we want the haunted house, and this stuff doesn't work because it doesn't fit in with what we've seen in two movies. Is this a Halloween three scenario after we've seen Michael Myers in two movies, and now it tries to be something different? I like even though we admire that. that, yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. whether you like whether you like it or not, it's still the same situation. Of it right. would have been better if you didn't have two Michael Myers movies. Like uh, this, you have yeah. this movie that comes out of nowhere. It's like, okay, my brain needs to think about this for a bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get it now, but like, is that our brain fighting it because it's not the same thing that we fell in love with? You know what I mean? Well, see, the, me being newer to this franchise, like I'm not as as I, I like it. Like I've grown to enjoy this franchise and a lot of the movies from it. Uh, you haven't been ride or die since 2013, though. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But my biggest thing I could be an equivalent of, and this is how I've been. I'm weird about some things, but not so much about others. Of course, I'm wearing my Godzilla shirt, but I love Godzilla. Thank There's you. like yeah, 35 plus Godzilla films. I don't know the exact count off the top of my head. Is that is that Biolante on that shirt? It, it, yes, it absolutely is. All right, good, <laughs> good hit. Thank you. Um, I like oh. that. But anyway, um, I, I I like when a franchise does something different, and I can respect yeah an art like a creator being like, hey. We've done, I know there's only three Conjuring movies, but I'm going to include all the other ones that have come before this, because even those were very formulaic and how they all worked and blah, blah, blah. But I, I liked that they tried something different. I, I can understand for like hardcore fans and stuff like this. is I don't like how they did this differently or this doesn't make any sense, especially for for yourself, Darren, having really you're just like like the Conjuring is what you care about, not so much the yeah. offshoot film. So this is just three for you. Um, right. But like well, I, I see I, I see where you're coming from, but I also see. Yeah. The opposite side where you're like, dude, it's it's Ed Lorraine. I just want the shit from the first two that I saw that was really, really good. It doesn't even have to be the same, but just make it the, like that. Make it good. The fact that it makes it different is at, like, I don't have a, like, that's great. I think the problem here, even though it gets away, it, it's just ordinary. It's an, it doesn't do anything mm. interesting. It's, it's different, but it's not like Halloween three, at least was a different aesthetic. Like I think with Bride of Chucky, I think that was the first funny one with Jennifer Tilly, right? Or was mm-hmm. that Seed of Chucky? Which no, one came it was first? Bride of Chucky. Bride. But by the time Bride of Chucky showed up, you were I think we were tired of the franchise. So when it, it did a left turn and was funny, you're like, oh, okay, I'm kind of reinvested. Not Maybe me. it was with, <laughs> okay, with, with some people, right? I mean, the first night the first Friday the thirteenth that I jived with was uh the new blood because it was different. It was to me, it was funny. It was funnier than Jason Lives. It had like a weird sense of humor, it had a little bit of story. It broke the tradition a little bit. So yeah, that's admirable, and I love that. And uh, it, like Evil Dead just like, breaks tradition, it became a comedy, that stuff. So that's fine. I just think that here, making it a murder mystery, it's too ordinary. It's it's yeah. not so much that it's different, it's that it's ordinary and it's it's a, a TV episode. It becomes something less engaging. And that, that's, that's where I'm... Yeah, especially, I know what you're saying. I get what you're because it's like you're taking these people dealing with literally a supernatural situation. Like, this is what they deal with. It's like extraordinary stuff. But now you're dumbing him down to like the levels of regular human policing. Like you make it, you give them a villain that they can punch, which they literally do. Like what? Like what? The 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 great thing about the first about any horror movie is the fact that these are things that we don't have any control over. There's no, we can't make sense of this horror, and that's what makes it scary. When it's a villain you can punch, 
and put in jail or like <laughs> have a demon come and kill him. It's like, what, what are we doing? Like, that's not, that's not what I signed up for. Sure. Make it different. But why are we making, doing it on this level? We could have done something a, more creative with it. I got a question. Would this whole theme have worked a lot better if we introduced a talking dog with a weird speech impediment? Would that have worked? <laughs> okay. When they had the kennel, that they were one step in the right direction. Hey, put that knife down. Put that knife hey. down, buddy. You Chill stabbed the fuck enough. out, Arnie. Yeah, that's right. Something. I don't know. That that Remember, might have been two scoops of food for me, Arnie. I know where you live, Arnie. So this is when we are back at the Warren's house, and Ed has an episode, so he passes out. And he wakes up and there's no one home. He's trying to look for Lorraine. The door is wide open. And who does he find when he gets to the bottom of the stairs? But the the naked big corpse from the funeral home. <laughs> like, oh, dude, put some clothes on. <laughs> the next great conjuring villain. It's it's <laughs> it's kind of baffling. It's such a baffling decision to was like. Hey, you know that zombie from before? I know that was weird for this franchise, right? Well, you're going to see him once again. <laughs> this time it's in a dream of some sort or whatever. And, of course, he's able to, you know, get out of here with his fucking crucifix. But then That goes back to what you talked about before, Parker, about showing it too much. Like, it would have yeah. been weird, right? But you bring it back again? It's like, yeah. <laughs> it and not even, even that worse. far from removed from the first time you see him it it wasn't you, you it was like five minutes after you see him for the first time he's back again and then that's when ed has the conversation with the witch and again this is that's, when that's when ed has the conversation with the witch <laughs> yes <laughs> the that, fact that we say that that's what happens is like oh boy well listen <laughs> if if i woke up couldn't find my wife. The front door was broken. There's this creepy ass woman that looks like a witch. Like it ain't even Halloween. I don't know what the hell's going on. And there's a large naked man in my house. I'd be like, dude, listen, I don't know what party went on while I was asleep. Y'all need to get the fuck out. <laughs> listen, Perspective. I'm I like that. But of course, well, this is You're it, beautiful. This woman looks like no offense to the actors, like a fucking scarecrow or some shit. She was casted well for this role. She, she was. She no offense. I'm not making fun of yeah. her or nothing. It's just, I mean, she might not even like actually look plays. like that. She probably not. And that's like the... the uh, she was in Werewolf by Midnight. That's where she's... I remember her from. But um, she's. it's like the lady that plays the nun. That plays Valak. Like, she just works great in that role. Right. So, because... Ed is having the conversation with her. He he realizes, oh, well, there must be a totem here because it's the only way that she'd be able to communicate with me or be able to, you know, be here. So he's, of course, ripping the house apart to find it. And where where did they end up finding this? It's in, in his office. office. It's in one of the flowers that was delivered. I'm I'm right. guessing with the the yes. parents' flowers. Yes, That's why I thought she was a man. Just either way. Well, yeah. <laughs> I remember her now from Werewolf by Night because you mentioned that. I was like, oh, yeah. Dude. Oh, I remember the character she is. Yeah. Yep. She's, so, just she's very really tall. androgynous. She's very tall. Yeah. Uh, but um, anyway, she's she's cast fine. Like physically, like I think she's fine as an actress, but whatever. But she's I think she's fine as the villain. But anyway, this is one thing Like I'm surprised. I was expecting this shit in this movie. It's like, we got to find the totem. Then he's like looking in the living room. And he's like. I know where it is. I was like, dude, it's going to be in your trinkets office. 
And maybe she couldn't go in there because it's, you know, they got like holy water sprinkler system and they baptize like two or three times a month, whatever it is. But like, how many of you were expecting Annabelle just to like come into this movie all of a sudden? Like, ah, we finally see Annabelle walking around. She's just like, here you go. Here's the keys. Don't worry. At some point in this franchise, Annabelle is going to be like a sidekick to the Warrens. She's going to be like changed her ways. Like the demon is going to be like, oh, we're going to help you solve these mysteries now. Ed and Lorraine and Annabelle's actually going to be able to walk and talk and stuff. And it's going to be like, she's going to walk like Megan. No, oh, I gotta figure no. it out. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be She has no kneecap. No, it's gonna be Annabelle. <laughs> it's the next Annabelle movie. So they're doing right. No they're they're doing the next conjuring <laughs> after the nun two. And then they're gonna do they're gonna do Annabelle Friends Till the End, and it's gonna be a buddy cop movie oh, with Malfeas and Valak. That's what's gonna happen. It's gonna be a buddy cop movie. Buddy. Friends to the end. Uh, and they're gonna go they're gonna yes it's and they're gonna be they're gonna have to go it's no it, i got it never mind it's gonna be a buddy cop movie but it's gonna be like a weekend at bernie's thing and they're gonna go hang out with the the ghost from the first conjuring i can't <laughs> think of her name uh oh bathsheba bathsheba yes yeah. the best name be like, of the whole franchise week, weekend weekend at bathsheba's there you go because <laughs> so, and then they have to play the my buddy theme absolutely and kid sister yeah Kid sister, please. And oh god, oh, if, you were, if you were there, if you were there. <laughs> and then Teddy Ruxpin walks I just, in. That is like please. the most important <laughs> fact that Angela had to stay. Is she doesn't even have any kneecaps. I, listen, <laughs> Megan does not have kneecaps. Oh, Megan, I thought we were talking about Annabelle. <laughs> she yeah, probably don't that. have kneecaps either. Well, no, she's a doll. Megan has no kneecaps, so <sighs> I said she. That's what she would be like. So, so. she has no kneecaps either. This is when the movie gets fucking weird because they all decide to split up. It's like Lorraine, mm. go right, see gang, Father Cat. Yeah, go see Father Cat. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Ed is going to try to figure out where the altar is. Lorraine goes to see Kasner, and by her and and she's doing this by herself. Like when have they ever split up in any of these movies? Never. They're when always when together. When the screenplay requires them to, yeah. He yeah. wouldn't even let her go under the house by herself. Why is he letting her go anywhere else yeah. that he can't see her? I wonder if they'd let their, their sidekick, like their aide. I wonder if they t- he took care of the fat naked man. Like, get this fat naked man out of here. Well, the fat naked, they didn't see the fat naked man because it was in I know, his I'm vision. Just... Yeah. yeah, imagine that. Thing is He's they, like, God damn it, I'm not paid enough for this. They mold her and Scully where they have to split them up. Yeah. Yep. So Victor, Victor's like, dude, put some clothes on. I know. I was like, dude, there's towels. You're in the fucking house. Just grab one. Cover up your folds, man. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, no, because I was waiting. I was like, okay, you know, they have to have certain like shadows. I was like, you can see the bottom of his stomach. Like, I don't want to see anymore. Thanks, but no thanks. There's like this suspense. No, no, I got this. This is for viewers. It's like, dude, it's like the, it's like this one specific dark shadow, just like all the way fucking down. It's like you know in the corners where it's just a suspicious black shadow. It's like, like, how they get a horse junk. in that corners? <laughs> and every time he take, every time he takes a step, it's not just bang bang. It's bang flap. Bang flap. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> it's old Brody O'Neill. I know this guy from school. He always walked with this weird limp. He had like an odd gait when he like tripod shit. He was flipping it <laughs> over his shoulder nice, once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Is that your towel? Nope. It's the best way to pat yourself on the back. So Lorraine gets to Father Kasner's house, and of course, this is he's like, Come on, Dude. the most like this is a sign where she's just goes, Maybe I should call Ed and have him come here too, because this is this isn't good because he's really like, Come on in, come down to my creepy basement full of full Come of scary in. things he did not want to go down to in the no. first place what's happening no. but yet she goes I, down that, i'm surprised the that, that i had is like oh what a surprise they're going the person that was in a creepy house turns out to be the bad guy yeah. who saw this coming right no. and, I, i'm surprised he didn't offer one of those old people strawberry candies is, like, also, <laughs> the other note i had is amazing. i like that he i like that he kept the scrapbook to explain the plot yes but the fact is, is we had to get Lorraine wandering around the room because he just disappeared. Uh, and you're like, oh, no, is he going to attack her? And then he's just sitting at his desk. Did we yeah, state the no. fact that he locked the door after she came inside? Yeah. What? yeah. Why is the lock on the inside? Did he did he lock it to keep the daughter out? I assume I that's what. So. It, it, I but guess. it takes you out of the movie because you, you think he locks the door because he's going to be murdered. But then sense. It's so weird. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what. Yeah, it was he's, confusing. He's just a, a totally normal dude that gives off a creepy no, vibe. That's his whole. What, that's his whole it's deal. What he says when he's sitting at the desk. Yeah. About the tunnels underneath. Yeah, he knows she about can, the tunnels. She can. So I assume that he's locking Lorraine in. Yeah, it makes sense because he does know about the tunnels, and she knows about the tunnels. Mm -hmm. Well, no, doesn't she like Certain pretty much live to... down in the tunnels? I guess so. That's what I'm guessing. Witch certain things that he says i was just waiting for except him when she goes to wendy's she <laughs> yes. Yes. i mean exactly <laughs> who doesn't want a frosty and some yeah, french fries i want it right now i mean really <laughs> you're the only one that can drive at this point of the night just saying yes yes but no i was waiting because he's there when lorraine steps into this like the top of the staircase and then he's just gone i'm like where'd he go shifts and then the when he turns on the light i'm like how the hell did he get down there before her dude he's been playing in that shit since like his 30s like i'm gonna super villain somebody someday in my life i swear like does he have like this secret like i'm just gonna dumb waiter myself down into the basement well this happens again here in a moment where we have people teleporting around but we'll yeah. are you talking about her Yes. She's the only one who teleports because she's a witch. And well, but he they does have to it too. Put... He like vanishes and then he's suddenly at the desk. Ooh, well, that's, I feel like that's such a different <laughs> feeling though. Like it, I, I just feel like she doesn't, he knows this area, like the back of his hands. So he's able to get to his desk at a quicker pace where she's like, I'm yeah. not familiar with this place and it's dark. So I'm wandering around. And by the time she realizes where she is, he's been sitting at that desk. It's the same thing with the Chavez stuff. It's like this is the first instance where he's kind of making you question what's happening, but it does it does it in a way. <laughs> he's like Colin Trevorrowing it. This guy can't win with me, right? Because he's trying to make give give you a mystery, right? But it it all it does is go what like, and then they they it for no reason because he's normal, like he's not a ghost. They just did that to fool you, and it's like, well, why are we? 
it's this red herring that we know is going to be a red herring. Like, what do you do? Like, this is the point where you decide to try and trick my brain into things. It just, it doesn't work. He has a trap door right above his desk where he just opens and drops it. Dude, yeah. I'm telling you how this actually would go. She would go downstairs like, Father, where are you? And he's like shuffling around in the dark and like knocks four things off a table. Shit, just hang on, give me a minute. And gets to the table wouldn't, and then turns a Wouldn't that off. have been cooler? That still yes. would have done the same thing, but it would yeah. have been more character-based. He's an old man that can't see in the dark. He can't find... That would have been better than him teleporting around. Like he's... Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Weird, weird. Like he doesn't leave... It it was just it was confusing because he doesn't leave her. Like where did he go? Yeah, I don't know. So he's Mister Plot Exposition at this point. Yeah, yeah because absolutely. because of course when Lorraine shows up to the desk, he tells her about how he had an illegitimate daughter. He took care of her by himself, and because of the fact that he was dealing with all this occult stuff, she became fascinated in it and then ended up joining it. And we find out, oh, well, then she must be the witch. You're normalizing it. It The movie is normalizing the scary stuff, right? It's before yeah. Bathsheba and uh, Yarek, faith name. Yarek, is that the, the name oh, of the... I'm getting Val- it wrong. Valak. 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 You, there's no explanation for them. They're just evil for the sake of being evil, and you can't fight that, right? There's You right. can't fight it. Again, they're giving you a villain that you can punch, and you can easily solve your way out of it. Just... This this whole explanation thing again. It's a Law and Order episode. It's it's just <laughs> it's explaining things and making it. It's the equivalent of Psycho. Like you could have ended it with Norman Bates running in dressed as the mom, but instead they have to have this fifteen minute scene where it's a psychologist explaining it and making it seem like oh like textbookish. It's like you're you just killed the whole tone of the movie for me, right? It's like why are you explaining it? Because a lot of people just don't understand. It's just like, what happened? Why? <laughs> no imagination. What happened to Norman Bates? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. So we're back Literally. at the prison, and Arnie's not doing so hot. He's in the infirmary, and Debbie's there. I don't think that would be happening. But yeah. um, the priest no. is also there, you know, trying to get things going. And they're there. Yeah, the, yeah pretty they're much. There. This priest This priest <laughs> just is a... Yeah. Hold, hold this knife or this gun while I go off and try to find a prison. <laughs> God said you need to protect yourself. This is holy. You just answer a revolver. <laughs> and yeah, weird things are starting to happen. He's starting to react, starting to contort. And of course, the, the priest is trying to, I guess, just he's just reading passages from the Bible to try to fi- fix things. It's not going Shit. so well. Which one? Which one? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're just gonna open it up. Whatever page it lands on, we're gonna start reading for you. Back at the Kasner house, Lorraine gets forced into the tunnels when the daughter shows up and just quickly kills her father. When which I, which is dumb. I remember this going differently the first time I watched this. I thought he was helping. I thought he was like. Uh, I, I always thought he was like on her side. He was like her sidekick, but no blamer than that. Yeah. He just, he's, she just slits his throat. This is the teleportation. He's literally talking to her in front of him. And then in a flash, she's behind him. Slits his throat. Millions yeah, of times. A shadow. She's apparently a shadow mage now. Like, like travels. Like, oh, yeah. You got your dad by slitting his throat. And that'd be it. Like, yeah. well, sh- that's like, lame. Sunny. She's like, honey, I let your prey loose in the tunnels. Have fun. And then Merck's him like, oh, okay. Yeah, and then we get into some weird 
I mean, we've already gotten into a lot of weird stuff in this movie, stuff that just doesn't feel like the conjuring and it just keeps on going because Mm -hmm. so Lorraine finds the altar. She can't destroy it because it's too heavy. Why is she trying to push it? I don't know. Knock all the shit off the top first. Angela, she's terrified. Too many questions. Yes. So she doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> Haven't you guys ever been in a situation where you were terrified out of your mind and all you really needed to do is just push a desk? <laughs> Haven't you guys? That's a heavy ass desk. That's dangerous. See, it's concrete. I just, I, I just need to push a heavy ass desk every now and then. That's, <laughs> that's life. Listen, I have been in situations, not life or death situations, not, not like this where somebody is chasing me, but I have been in situations where I have been hurt. And things don't come natural, but is that when you stab that guy? No. <laughs> Just kidding. when I hurt my. F- I know. What you know it's, I know you're joking. I know. When I, I know. My exactly. foot. Statue of I, limitations, Dan. So I had a point where I'm like freaking out and I'm yelling, and you know, my kid at this time, I'm like yelling. I'm like, why'd you run away? Yes, I know I scared you, but why? Why'd you run away? So get back down here. But then I'm and like, help me re- help me relocate my hip. <laughs> no, my foot at this point. This but then I like forced my brain to stop doing the whole hamster wheel thing. Uh, like you get to a point where you're like, stop doing stupid shit. Well, everybody reacts differently to stress than other people. And I will always bring up the timeless thing of as 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 i do it's people who like to tell cops what they should have shouldn't done in a situation where it was life-threatening and they had a gun if you weren't there Which you no fucking place say anything but anyway <laughs> but that's what i'm talking about but, but everybody if, reacts if different thing... some people run spider flight some people run True. some people do the thing push so, desks yeah yeah but yeah, if you people... can't push the desk after five minutes try something different and you know she's coming you've got the sight man She's got the, the mind's eye, baby. Mm-hmm. Do the whole, I'm going to clear the desk of everything. Well, well the, she can't... sees, because the tunnel's connected, she sees the occultist run down. And the next time you see her, she's somewhere else running away. So it's like that whole thing with the desk was nonsense. It had nothing to do with anything. I don't know what she was doing. Listen. They never explained it. I don't I got nothing. I you thought know, I she was trying to get under, under it somehow, like open a, another tunnel like what is she doing this is where the best snacks are <laughs> I mean, guys women right yes wow. never women. i know i am i am outnumbered women, women. that's I all I listen if if i was with this version of lorraine warren and she's like hold my purse i'm like gladly <laughs> please <laughs> let me over. i wouldn't have gone to the house in the first place oh, neither would i I like how much this locked door we talked about earlier plays nothing in the story. Nope. Nothing. She just easily oh. opens the door. <laughs> She's there. Yeah. Yeah, nothing. Uh, she just well, he like moves the whole wall and there she is. Like he pushes this whole thing over and like she appears. Like yeah. where the hell are we now? Where, where the fuck did you come from? I've always We're been in here. a warehouse somewhere. Part of the ship now. You remember Shopco <laughs> and the, the upstairs and yeah. you could move all the Yes shelves so ed gets there to the house all these tunnels but let me lock the door just in case this one time she decides to come to the door who knows whatever i told her to meet me at the front door I'll go through the tunnels she's always listened to me that's a daughter of mine 
Don't let no me. sacrifices or soul hunting for her. Oh no. Yeah, no, no. A cultist. Oh. So Ed makes it to the house and this is when Lorraine is going through some like trippy moments where there's the moment where she like falls down and she sees like a double of herself. That's so weird. Like, are we watching Doctor Strange? Yeah, I, I was very confused. I'm yeah, guessing just the witch is like causing her to hallucinate in a way to distract yeah. her from where she, where she's going so she can catch up with her, I'm guessing. That's kind of par for the course of what we've seen. Which, like I said, this is weird as Demon makes people hallucinate more right. than we have in other movies. But this is, Wait. yeah, but this is the moment that the witch pins her to the ground and then Lorraine is able to take the rock and hit her in the side of the head and yeah, able to get okay. away. Listen, this scene with the knife holding somebody down, we're like, shh, look at me, look at me, whatever. Open your eyes, look at me. You know who did this better? It's a little director I'd like to call Steven Spielberg in Saving Private Saving Ryan. Saving Private Ryan? There yep. you go. Exactly. I fucking hate nice. that scene because it's so well done. That, yeah, that scene exactly. pisses me off to no end, but it's because it's so good. Yeah. But this is not that. Yeah, this, this is, is more Mission Impossible knife to the eye than it is Steven Spielberg. Saving Private like, Ryan. <laughs> take this small pebble. Yeah, my favorite. I scene. rolled my eyes so many times in this and the next part. I'm sorry. My favorite part yeah. about that scene in Saving Private Ryan is it's isn't it Adam Goldberg who gets it, who gets stabbed? Yes, yes, yes. it is. I can't stand him in anything he does. He's the most one of the most obnoxious actors I've ever watched. He got stabbed. He's he's another in, guy that deserves to be stabbed. He's in yeah. like yeah, two so, or three episodes of Friends, and he's the worst Friends. character in Friends. And yeah. he's also in a Dazed and Confused, and his character in Dazed and Confused is just the worst. He's annoying, I, a whiny little bitch. I can't stand it. So um, Parker's line, line train of thought for this is like, yeah, fuck that Jewish guy. Let him yeah, know. That, that wasn't why I hated him. It was just, <laughs> just Adam Goldberg just as an actor. Nice rock. Annoys yeah, me. Yeah, he is obnoxious as fuck. Isn't he? But um, <laughs> so this also starts up Arnie, and he's starting to go through his demonic, you know, things. At the, uh, like this, like, here's the thing, like, we're in two completely different scenes and you're kind of stuck in the middle of going, which one is more interesting? Which one do I care about more? And to be honest, neither of them. They're both just blah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I got, I'd rather prefer Lorraine versus old Dusty Crotch than I do. <laughs> me too. Arnie. I mean, I would rather watch the wars, but they keep cutting back to Arnie because know, he's annoying. kind of the point of this movie, right? And it's uninteresting. They're getting, they're getting to a point that we'll get to and that I wanted to comment on, but I, I, I'll, uh, I get why they're doing it, but yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but this is when we get Ed getting blown dust in his face and he gets possessed to the point where he starts attacking why does Lorraine with this? a sledgehammer. And she took freaking charcoal dust and pockets like we've been we've been grilling out tonight let me just blow this in your face and like what why yeah so he of course goes into us. rampage mode and I mean, all literally and that's Lorraine what I feel like is trying to persuade him to stop attacking her and the whole thing is a sto the the we I forgot to mention the whole fact that Lorraine tells Debbie the story of how her and Ed the father met. tells the tells the father because the father says right, 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 go right, home right. that the main father go home like rest and she's like this is my home yeah. right that that's yeah. tells that story yeah. and I a, like their story but yeah that's Absolutely. not at this point it was a whole thing they kissed under a gazebo when it was raining back in yes. nineteen forty something 
and or fifty, whatever. There, it was, was well, it was thirty years before this happened. So okay, it so nineteen fifty-one. Yeah. So the demon also is fucking with Arnie. We keep getting kind of thrown back and forth between these two scenes. <laughs> so Lorraine is finally able to clear Ed's head of the magical fairy dust, and Ed smashes the altar with the with the sledgehammer that he has. Which then frees Arnie from the de- from the curse, and then the demon ends up taking the witch's soul. Which I, to be honest, I actually liked this whole thing where she yeah, kind of like, comes you. out of the shadow yeah. and she's all like, she feels confident, and then they're like, and Ed's like, you lost. You're supposed yeah. to. You were supposed to claim a third soul, and you didn't. And so the the demon's coming for you, and it's just the demon is just her coming out of the shadows again and then she just gets all fucking bent up and that's must be what all demons look like so (laughs) that's so so lazy that's the thing what it builds to like showing um uh arnie and debbie and then showing ed and lorraine they're trying it gets to the point i think lorraine has a line of like this they can't break her like they think our love is the weakness but our love is the strength and so yeah yeah, it shows that except i don't know of the connection really between debbie and arnie they haven't dramatized that too well i get the ed and lorraine thing but the fact that it's like our love is what makes us strong, it's like this is like the 750th time that they've used something like this. I mean, it ties in with the first two conjurings, you know, the, where they, they speak to uh, uh, her own. And she's like, yeah, like, think about your family, right? It's about your family. You can overcome this. Think about your kids. And that's how they're able to beat the demon, right? Yep. It ties into that. Only here it's like really clunky and obvious and like so scriptwriter. And that's even that the demon demands a soul. That's even like been done countless times, right? There's 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 nothing about this whole ending that isn't rote or isn't cliched. It's just it just doesn't work. It's so if James Wan had done this, he would have found a way to make it. I know he came up with the story, but if he directed it, he would have found a way to make it work. Like this director just doesn't have it in him to to overcome these mis- these these issues that we're having it, it's it's empty calories as opposed as opposed to a full meal i don't know if that makes any sense it, it's the diet version but i yeah, almost there you go i almost feel like this director i feel like james Wan could have helped him as a director and he's just like nah i got this Probably. Well, it's the same thing of Christopher Nolan with Batman versus Superman. It's like our Man of Steel. It's like Christopher Nolan's a better director. I I wouldn't even argue that he's a better director than Zack Snyder is. But he kind of stays out of it and lets Snyder do his own thing. And it's it's weird seeing Nolan's name attached to a movie that doesn't work like a Christopher Nolan movie. You you know what I mean? It's like Juan seems like he's there, but he's letting the director do his thing instead of stepping in. I mean, that's the thing. I think when it comes to like that example of Batman v Superman. And Christopher Nolan and Emma Thomas having their names attached to to that movie. I just don't think they. I think they just they had ideas that yeah, Warner Brothers considered. Yeah, and they they didn't do anything with that movie. It's the same thing with Steven Spielberg and all the Transformers movies. Do you think Steven Spielberg yeah. was on the set of Transformers with Michael Bay? Absolutely not. No one wants to be around yeah. Michael Bay because he's a psychopath. <laughs> so he just was like, "Yeah, sure, slap my name on it." I think it's. I yeah. mean, I think he was somewhat involved in the Jurassic World movies because you know he was a. You know he was a big part of why this fran- that franchise exists, but the first much, Jurassic World definitely. But how much else, input yeah. did he really have? You know, you, you know, without you don't want to be like stepping on the director's toes, and I think that's kind of what James Wan was doing. He was involved with all these movies, but I think he was trying to let these directors 
do their own thing. But I feel like when it comes to the conjuring, like I feel James Wan, yeah, should have been involved a little bit more because these are the characters he brought to the screen and was able to form into such, I I mean, these are icons to be honest, you know, is the fictional versions of these characters. So I just felt like they were just, yeah, they weren't played with well, if you know. And not so much James Wan, Wan stepping on toes, but if I was a director coming behind someone that did so well, I would be like, hey, I would get your opinion. Like, do you right. think this is good? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be so into myself, like up my own ass to be like, no, I'm not going to get your opinion. Right. I'm doing this. This is my well, thing. Obrick had his name on get. Back to the Future, right? right? He had his name on Mask of Zorro. Gremlins. But I think Martin Cam, yeah, and Gremlins, Martin Campbell and Joe Dante and uh, Robert Zemeckis are better directors where Spielberg can go, you got this, and they will give it their own thing, right? right? Yeah. But again, this this Chavis guy is not, he's not that. No. He doesn't, yeah. I, I he can direct a movie and have a shot, but he can't, he's not that. He's not on that level. And I don't know if he will be. It's just, it seems like it's just yeah. a, a rote kind of thing. So he, he, but yeah, I don't, It maybe it's cool that a director doesn't step in and, and say something because it can yeah. get him in trouble. But well, I mean, you know I would I mean. still just get get the opinions of something right like i i design certain things and i still i'm like hey how do you think this looks like i am i am one to second guess myself and i'm the hardest on my own self like i could be like hey i'm gonna put this out here but i think it's shit but i'm still gonna put it out here that's how i am this feels like a first (laughs) i i mean i (laughs) Like I have. This feels like things. your first draft, where a one movie would be a final draft. Does that make Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it yeah, just yeah, feels yeah. like the- exactly. Like I have some things that I'm I'm designing for work, and I'm like, I'm like, how do you think this looks? Does it look okay? Do I need to do anything? Like, and I'm still yeah. I keep looking at it, and I'm like, I need to do this. Like I keep second guessing myself, and then I'm like, I should have just left it alone in the beginning. But- you, yeah, that is something that. I think I do all the time when it comes to like little things, like stupid things. Like oh, when yeah. I make a thumbnail for an episode, like do I want it to like, how much do yeah. I want in that thumbnail? Do I want it to have all this, like w- all these words, like the title of it, or should it just have the movie? Like, it's just, yeah, those yeah. little things that pop into my head. And then there's even times where I've had to switch things after the fact, or I'm looking at a description, yeah. a YouTube description. And how am I going to write the description of what we're doing in the episode? It, yeah, it's, it's, I, yeah. I do the same but thing, so I know what you're Angela and Angela and Parker, that's your thing. Like that's what you do. You're good at what you do, right? Chavez is not good at what he does. There's a difference there. You, you're 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 you you guys are a little like, yeah, you're not totally confident, but it's like this guy is like he doesn't he doesn't even have it. You know what I mean? Somebody should have been there to to at least say, well, why don't you try some of this? Like yeah. here's something you could do, but it doesn't seem like any of that is like here. Plant right. that seed there that could yeah. grow into something he could i mean he yeah. could end up being something really great he just needs that i mean i haven't looked it's at just, any reviews yeah. on the nun too so i don't know how he did with that yeah. but it's a copycat it's not the real thing it's a diet yeah. version it's yeah. not it's not the real thing it's yeah. an imitation and right. again having having uh ed come out and having his heart not to jump ahead of your part but having his heart hurt again and how she's i forgot my pills and she pulls out the heart-shaped pendant and opens it up. Mm. And they, they bring back the Mark Isham theme, the family theme from the first Conjuring. And it's yeah. like, that. that's what I... 
I just wish that the horror stuff was stronger because the horror stuff is stronger in the first two conjurings. Yeah. This one, I'm just desperately trying to find something to hold on to and make it worth my while. And Farmiga and Wilson, they do it every time. So if it wasn't for them, this movie would be terrible. But oh, I think they make it a worthwhile watch. Yeah. Well, the movie pretty much ends with Ed bringing the witch's cup to the museum. And Arnie is found guilty of manslaughter instead of murder. So he is, I guess in reality, he was sentenced to five to 10 years in prison, but he only served two. For he served, murder. it was, it was 15, but he only served five. I think that was the, I think it even so that's says what the, the movie, movie says yeah. from what I've seen. Yeah. It was, he was okay. sentenced to 10, but he only served two. It's because everybody knows that Bruno was an asshole. So. Yeah. <laughs> and well, it says the fact that he ended up marrying Debbie while he was in prison and they're still married today. They're still married. Yeah. Well, this is the moral of the story. The moral of this story is love will save you from a demon, but it will not keep you out of prison. So that is the moral <laughs> of this whole story. Yeah. And you got to be, you got to be responsible. Yeah. You got to pay your dues. And of course we get the, another thing where uh, Ed buys Lorraine a gazebo for the backyard to kind of reminisce about the first time they met or first time they kissed or whatever. And then we the credit the, the the credits roll and we get actual audio recordings of David's exorcism which even if you don't believe any if you don't believe in demonic possessions or whatever these tapes and I've listened to a lot of these exorcism tapes they're creepy as hell like it doesn't matter if you think they're real or not they're done like whoever if they're all fake hey Good on whoever produced them because they're fucking fantastic. They're terrifying. This is what I would rather listen to these these you know exorcism tapes than watch this movie again. <laughs> like, just give me two hours of scary demons yeah. talking to the real Ed and Lorraine Warren. I I feel that. So I I grew up in a very religious household, so we did um. Things once a year, once I got to be a teenager, that were just like conventions for our church. So seeing David in the beginning have an exorcism performed on him and seeing the white foam come out of his mouth, that just reminds me of the year that I went to this convention and they saw somebody. I didn't personally see it. So it, it's just all word of mouth. This teenager falls to the ground and start foaming at the mouth. And they just said that, oh, she was possessed. So, like, I he doesn't believe. I, I still, I, I'm kind of, like, in the middle where am I, you know, do I really believe? Do I, am I just, like... I'm I'm just like right there in the middle, so it's like seeing some of these scenes in movies brings back those memories, and then hearing the tapes, I'm like, well, shit. Well, horror is very subjective, right? Some mm-hmm. people are not going to find Dracula scary because they're not afraid of vampires. Some people like yeah. Parker. Some people aren't going to find sharks scary because they love living in the ocean, right? So Jaws isn't going to be it for them, that kind of thing. I'll I think never get in the ocean. The thing with this movie, with the Conjuring movies and with Poltergeist and with the Exorcist, that kind of is 
whether or not this stuff is is actually happened the way they're presenting it to us on screen, I I believe that this stuff exists. There are unexplained things out there and demonic possessions, things that are beyond our control, beyond our our conception, that kind of thing. So these kind of movies are terrifying to me because these are things that can't be explained, but they're out there and they can affect yeah. different people. So like oh. still in the back of my brain, g- growing up that way, they're like, you know, don't have mirrors in your room because you can get possessed by demons through your mirrors. So here I am, like, after we watch these and I go into the bathroom or whatever, I'm like, I really don't want to look in the mirror because I don't want to see something behind me. Or the fact that you, you can watch... Hey. <laughs> I, I, like, thinking it, about it right the, now, I've got chills. Give it, <laughs> give it the finger or give it a snack. I don't know. Yeah, or, yeah, one of those. Or just... Or finger it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've talked about glory holes and cum in this in a in a cup. So she's out. Um, I mean, why not good. add to that? I, those are good parents, right there. They're but, making sure. <laughs> she. She's normally not in here. No, she can. She. she I asked her. She said she was scared from the movie, so she's gonna Which sleep we, in I our bed. So. Oh yeah. I mean, after Victor got scared watching Men in Black. He did get scared with Men in Black. Oh, all right. But so Mikey, is that the first day? Yeah, the lady one in our episode says that she yes. was terrified by that part because she'd he's never seen it. Scary, like he's cool until he like freaks the fuck out. It was what, dude? <laughs> it was what four years ago when we watched it? No, it was longer than that. Four or five years ago. It's been a minute because he no, he was younger. Yeah, I just well, wa- he tried. I just watched it yesterday. <laughs> well, he also tried to watch um, Alien with us, and he didn't make it. Oh, that was about four years ago. I'm like, you coward, get your ass back in here. Hated <laughs> as soon as the Alien popped out, and he's like, no, no, no it was when they took the. Fa- it was the face hugger shit. Like, yeah, trying to like, take mm-hmm. it off of um. Kane, John uh, Hurt. Kane. Kane. Yeah. 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 Kane. Yeah. John Hurt. But, <laughs> but yeah, like. It's still growing up, them saying that you can be possessed by watching certain things. Like it, it's still pol- growing up watching Poltergeist. Like I forced myself to watch it, and the ec- Exorcist. It still is like I'm like looking over my shoulder. Like, is this really gonna happen? Like, how you know people say, hey, you can get you know possessed, or you can invite demons into your your house through these movies. So here I am. I'm still like, there's part of me that's like, I really don't want to watch this because like, is this going to happen? Get the old dick window. You know <laughs> what? Growing up. Being there's taught, there's substance to that comment. Being taught a certain way. You still think. Well, yeah. Cause that's you what you're raised. Think about that. Even though you haven't subjected to yourself to said things until all of this, and I'm still like, got a door right there. I keep, I keep looking in the, I keep looking in our, our camera, making sure that that's not moving. Wasn't that door shut when we started recording, dude? <laughs> Growing up, I would not sleep. I literally would not sleep with my closet door shut. I had interesting. I had and the feet. Tell them about the blankets. I will. Jesus not Christ! Sleep. Is this going to be? This going to be a whole other <laughs> podcast, guys. I will not sleep with my feet outside of the blanket. I will not. Dan's okay, like hey, Dan's just feeding Angela more shit she could talk about. No, 
when we cover the nun too, I will explain the dick window reference because it's a real event okay. that happened to me, and I shit you oh. not, it's not a haunting thing, but I will explain the dick window thing. He was like, like you got a piecing pants that's like showing. Yes, no, no, not that. Not like yeah. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna message you later, Dan. I can't wait. I'm gonna message you later so you can explain it. I've heard this story a couple times, but no, I'm I'm done. Go ahead. So let's share our thought, final thoughts on the movie before we go to comments and all the final parts of the show. So, Darren, what are your final thoughts on this movie? What did you truly think of the Conjuring? The Devil Made Me Do It. As usual, I go on the. I wanted to mention one more thing, and then I'll, I'll. It ties in. Did you guys notice the references to the other movies that it kept dropping? Yes. Like the Exorcist reference when the, the priest gets out of his car at the beginning. Yeah. The yep. waterbed obviously is a nightmare on Elm Street, like you talked yep. about. The Shining when he gets possessed at the end and, and walks yep. around trying to kill his own family. Yeah. And then the most uh, deep dive one. If you, any of you guys have. You've seen this GIF. It's the Mario Baba shock where it's a shot of a woman at the front of a hallway and she sees a kid run at her and the kid just when it's out of frame, an adult pops up like in front of her. Mm -hmm. That happens in this where you see Lorraine running an ad in the bot and all of a sudden it changes and it beces the occultist that blows the dust. The the last thing I'll say is I... I'm sorry. They do that exact shot in Annabelle where the the main character is in a room. Way better. There's a kid in another room, so and when she again. runs in, when she, as it, like the kid runs as soon as it hits the door, it's it's a, an adult. Yeah, it's way better yeah. done. It's way better done in the movie. <laughs> so they did it twice. That's it. No. So that kind of stuff again. That wasn't in the first two Conjurings. I don't know why all of a sudden we're having this be a like a meta version of the story, right? But again, that ties in with what I think of the movie is that we've seen this. It's referencing these other movies that we've seen and we enjoy a lot more. That it made more of a stamp. Right. right. This movie's fine. Like it doesn't I said it before, the first two conjurings are not breaking the any rules. They're not setting a new standard. They're just resetting it and saying, Hey, you want a good haunted house movie? This is how you make a good haunted house movie. You have good characters that you care about. The the Warrens are juxtaposed with the Perones at the, in, as a good family, right? In the second one, it's an even it's an evolution of that where Ed and Lorraine are kind of the aspirational version of a family that the Hodgins, because the Hodgins, I'm getting that right. That's their name, yep. the family's name, yep, right? Yep, yep. They don't have the dads left. And so when Ed is playing Can't Help Falling in Love, he's the father figure that they've been missing, right? Yep. And then you have a shot of, it shows how he's charming them. And it shows Lorraine like she's charmed by him. And you can tell that she's in love with him. Because of one of a myriad of reasons, he can do this and have this effect on people. But then she gets a look on her face because the whole movie she's terrified about losing him, right? Where she backs off. And it's that human stuff that sells those first two movies above. The scares are awesome, but if it wasn't for that connection we have to Ed and Lorraine, those two movies wouldn't work as well as they do. And that's the problem with this. It just, yeah, it's different. Dan, like you talked about, it tries something different, but it's just so ordinary. And it just redoes so many things that have already been copied after copy after copy. And then the only thing we have to latch on to is that relationship, which is legitimately sincerely great, right, between those two actors. All of us agree those, it, that is great stuff. But if the movie had been on that level with its scares, right, even the thing with the, the medicine at the end, that's screenwriterly, uh, that she has the thing. It's not... It's written. You can tell it's written, but it still works because of the acting. I think that's the difference between the other two conjurings. Maybe the other, the Annabelle and the nuns and, and all that stuff, too. 
it's that connection that we have, and that's the saving grace for the movie. If it wasn't for that, like I said, this would be a terrible, terrible piece of trash movie. It just wouldn't work at all for me if not for those connections. All right. Dan, Angela, who wants to go next? I will. It's better than Dick Window. Just to build this ridiculous. It's not a good story, but I'm going to build the hype out of like, Dan, what's Dick Window? Nobody's going to ask that. Because nobody probably gives you shit. Except for Darren, which I appreciate. Oh, anyway, my gosh, yes. I heard the story a couple times. Yeah, she knows about it. Angela Sullivan. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed this one. I thought it was a pretty decent movie. Uh, of course, the Warrens, like you said, are the best part of it. I think there's a little bit too much jumping back and forth like we talked about. And I, uh, I think a reason I probably like this more is because because it wasn't as scary, because I'm not a fan of that kind of stuff. I don't enjoy being scared. I get no joy from it whatsoever. I don't mind a good tense scene, like like you said, to build up tension and stuff like that. I just don't like being scared. I just, whatever. Anyhow, um, but, I, I, you know, the, the villain being a human, I didn't really care for all that much at the end of it. Like, I get it was a witch, but, like, we had the first one where it's like a witch ghost demon thing. And then the second one is, is a demon manipulating a spirit. And then this one is a human manipulating a demon, but it's a demon. We almost know nothing about. We only care about the woman and all the other movies. We've hyped the demons up. We don't know any significance of this thing other than it's a demon and it does bad things. And it only does bad things because of this witch lady. And like, I don't feel like there was enough buildup on what we're dealing with. We're more about the story of like, let's help these people and find out what's going on. But we're not explaining enough about the villain. And I don't need a lot explained, as I've talked about before. But the other Conjuring movies explain enough of this shit to give us a taste. You know, we learn about Malik a little bit. We learn about the other ones I can't remember. Malfeas and Bathsheba. Uh, Bathsheba. And like, we learn about them. And so it's like, oh, this is interesting. But they don't just like, you get nothing. It's like, this is just a demon that does things with dust in your house and possesses people and fucks up your walls. I don't know. Um, but anyhow. Uh, but yeah, like, I don't, I don't, it's, 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 it's okay. I enjoyed it. I, I think it's better than some of the other movies we've watched, uh, but it's very middle of the road, I think, outside of the Warren's performance. For sure. I tried to keep that short. I did a very, very, very good job. Um, I enjoyed this movie only because of the Warrens. There was a certain, like I said before, there were certain little things that I really enjoyed, like the the claws bringing the boy downstairs and certain other smaller things. But I was prepared for it to be Malfus, Malfis. Malthus. Again, I've never said this demon before, but the only reason I know is because of a YouTube video I watched. Yeah. I was expecting that to be the demon in the end. The Annabelle again. Just because of the claws. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a demon. I mean, most demons are. But I wasn't expecting it to be to look like her. Like, I know. I'm so fucking let down, dude. Well, that's the thing is she's not the demon. No, I know. She was controlling then, a demon that you never see, which is weird because you always tend to see yeah, the demon exactly. in the mo- in these the, movies. But then, even if you just at the oh, end, yeah. I I wanted to know what this demon was. Right. Not that it was just her. Like, you don't just have it be the big fat man come up behind her. Like they got this thing that's big naked fat dude showing up. Like that'd be fucking weird coming out behind you, right? That's scary. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was he was scary enough. Like I don't want to know what. 
It's, it's the black shadow, man. It's I don't want to know what, a, what is underneath <laughs> the hanging belly. Like, I don't, I don't need to see that. But no, like, I had worked myself up in some of the scenes where I wanted to be scared. I wanted that jump scare, and I didn't get it. And I was just kind of disappointed. Like, I wanted, when he looked in the glory hole, I wanted that. At least something. It's the fat dude's dick to come out. Like, something. Got your eye, motherfucker. <laughs> but yeah, like. Squirt. Squirt. <laughs> Worse than getting salt in your eye. It's my eyes. No. Oh, gosh. But I, I just Great. didn't. In, I didn't enjoy this as much as I feel like I could have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was my second time seeing this movie. And, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, to be honest, I'm not going to lie. As much as I complain about a lot of stuff in this episode, and it's all, you know, I wasn't just doing it to stir the pot, but I enjoyed it this time around than I did the first time. The first time I was like, oof, this is this is not The Conjuring. This is rough. I, I just don't understand what the hell is going on. Second time, you I have those same feelings, but I actually enjoyed the movie more. I think I just, I don't know. I just, I guess I just always enjoy seeing, you know, Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson on screen, you know, being a great team. Like again, we've talked about it many times. They are just so good together in these films Mm -hmm. and it just sucks that the script was so trash around them that they had to literally put this whole movie on their backs to at least make it to the finish line. And yes, the fact that the villain is a human and not a demon, even though there is a demon, but you don't see the demon and it's just very confusing. It's a witch, which whatever. But it's the fact is like there was just so many elements of this movie that just didn't feel like it was a conjuring movie. Like we have the, yeah, the fact that we have Ed becoming a Jack Torrance type character, you know, trying to kill Lorraine and you have, just all these weird factors that just don't make sense. It's like, is this the same franchise? Are we, where are we right now? I, I don't know. It just, it was, it was very confusing. I just, it was a mess and I'm just, yeah, this director just kind of seems like he's, you know, he's like, Oh, I want to try new things. want to try. I feel like that's kind of how saw went. Like saw went into this weird direction where like James Wan and Lee Wynell had such a, a vision for what saw was. And I think saw if for a low budget horror movie did a great job at bringing tension and, you know, doing all these, these things and making it a really good horror movie. Yes, it is a gory movie. It's a you know, people now call the saw franchise gore porn, but like, I feel as the franchise went along, you had a different director most of the time and you had different writers and you had different ideas being thrown around and it just turned into a cohesive mess. And now we're getting a 10th one. So yippee. And I feel like I that's kind of how the, the con- I feel like that's what the conjuring is doing. It's like, it's, they're giving all these, these, these newer directors, these chances. But the problem is, is like Michael Chaves didn't like in, and we talked about it. La Llorona is not that good. It's our lowest ranked movie of this franchise. As of right now. I mean, we'll see if where this lands, but it just, it was such a, it was a messy movie. There was just too much of the, you see too much of the ghost and you like the characters just, you don't get to, you know, 
you don't get to dive into these characters enough to care. And you're taking these really like probably the best two characters of this entire franchise and you're kind of making a joke of them. And it's kind of unfortunate, but as that's the problem is, is the end of this, this tail end of this franchise is just an absolute mess and it sucks to see. Cause I love this, this genre. I love this genre of the horror of horror where, it, you know, the, the paranormal and stuff like that. And, you know, the fact that Patrick Wilson and Verify Mega were did such a great job with the conjuring and made me want to see them more and more. Like, I can't wait for the next conjuring. I hope it's really good. I hope they correct the, the wrongs from this one and they make a better, more cohesive movie. But this one just wasn't it. This one was a mess. And as much as I, I, I mean, I can't say I hated it. I've, it's no, it just, right. it was fine. It, it, it's just disappointing it as a, as a come down from the first two. That's, that's yeah. the only thing that doesn't quite. Yeah. Well, well, we are now on to comments. We got a few comments. We, as, Ooh, as angry, as, angry comments, as, <laughs> as you all may know, we ask Twitter slash X, Instagram, Facebook, and threads. Uh, we tell you what movie we're watching and you guys leave comments for us to read on the show. And we got a few, so we're going to start off with X slash Twitter. Our first one is from podcast in the woods. And this one's a long one. So you strap in. This should have been called the devil made me forget it. He's a sneaky bastard, more wasted potential. The core story is an interesting one, but the execution is so nonsensical at times. The pacing is not great. So by the sappy end of it, I'd gotten bored and my mind had regurgitated everything I watched. To be honest, I kind of agree with a lot of the points there. Like it's a lot of wasted potential. I mean, we've, we've mentioned it many times, a lot of wasted potential just ha- it had an interesting core with the whole devil made me do it case. And then it kind of just disappears, kind of evaporates. And then they're like, Oh, remember this? Hey, remember this thing? <laughs> oh, wait, it's gone again. Yes. Yeah, over here. Uh, Dustin from the flicks and friends podcast, the man who, who decided for us to go through this whole journey just said sorry (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we have comment i was like wait a minute no we have uh fellow we have patron stew from the stew world order podcast who said i hated the evil magic dust was a plot point this was so far out of bounds even for the conjuring universe This was also the first or second movie I saw in theaters after COVID. Forget if this came out before Quiet Place 2. I think this came out before Quiet Place 2. I don't remember. Our next one is from uh, Joey Butts 21 who said, what a massive step down from the first two. Also, the Warrens are pieces of shit. (laughs) All right. And our final one on Twitter is from at L underscore P underscore ring who said drawn out and utterly tepid Perry Mason TV movie like fair. I'll pray for you. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. And then we got one on Instagram. It was from uh, Brady from the Epic film guys who just says Godspeed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for all the comments. We appreciate you. Make sure to follow us on all the social media so that you can see when we post uh, whatever movie we're going to be covering so you guys can comment on it. We love reading your comments. Darren is a frequent commenter on, on, for our episodes. So it's, uh, it's always fun to read, read the comments from all of you now. Well, we got to wait for Angela to come back because now we're going to move on to rankings. This is the last movie for now of our conjuring universe journey. 
So now we have to rank them. So currently, our rankings right. for the Conjuring universe is... I mean, I, I can't remember how many. We've done seven. So at number seven is oh. The Curse of La Llorona. At number six is Annabelle Comes Home. At number five is Annabelle. Number four is The Nun. Number three is Annabelle Creation. Number two is The Conjuring. And number one is The Conjuring 2. So as you know, we start from the bottom. Is The Conjuring... Th- well, I'm just going to say The Conjuring 3. Is it better than The Curse of La Llorona? Yes. Okay. <laughs> is it better than Annabelle Comes Home? Yes. Is it better than Annabelle? Oh, yeah. She has a difference of opinion. Oh. Oh, okay. She looked at me when I said yes, because there's more Warrens in this one than there is the other one. And that, and that movie... That's the only thing that makes it better. But how is it better? It's entirely inconsequential. It's up to you. you if you want to stick to your guns, stick to your guns, please. I... That was not intentional. I'm putting my vote in is I think this is better than Annabelle Comes Home. I think okay. it's better. I think it's better. Okay. Is it better? Is it better than Annabelle? No. That opening's pretty strong, but that's the only thing that's going for it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but does the Warrens really like? Yes, I we we talked about how much we love the Warrens, but like it doesn't I, have the elevator scene. Okay, so I think that uh, answers the question, right? Yeah, I do think you, so. Do you have big dick for the Warrens or something? So yeah. our final rankings not that big, but it's there. Our final rankings <laughs> for now has Conjuring 2 at number 1, Conjuring at number 2, Annabelle Creation at number 3, The Nun at number 4, Annabelle at number 5, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It at number 6, mm-hmm. Annabelle Comes Home at number 7, and The Curse of La Llorona still at the bottom but guess Everybody what? Knows. Once the Nun 2 comes out on Blu-ray, digital, whatever, uh, on a streaming service so we don't have to pay for it, uh, we're going to... A couple weeks. Yes. I plan yeah. on seeing it in theaters so we can do... I'm going to try to do a fresh cut, but for a core episode, we're going to wait until it's on a streaming service or whatever, and then we're going to add it to our Conjuring Universe series as we've been doing. But that is it for now for the Conjuring Universe because next week is Spooktober. We are starting our Spooktober festivities. As you know, we all come around and we pick our movies for the month. And next week, I just got this bad boy yesterday. We are covering 2007's Trick or Treat from Michael Doherty. I just picked up this beautiful Scream Factory Blu-ray. I can't wait to watch it. That is our week one movie. That is Angela's pick. And I'm very excited because we, uh, I think this is, we've covered after we do trick or treat, we've covered all of Michael Doherty's movies. So we did, uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters and Krampus. So, and I picked this one and I haven't watched it yet. It's very exciting. Mm. I'm just excited to watch it. You guys will have a good time with it. I think, I think so. I hope so. So before we go, Darren, thank you so much for coming back on the yeah, show and uh, almost yes. having <laughs> us record for another three fucking hours. <laughs> told you. Fucking told you. It's, it's got to be because we enjoy each other's company, right? We That's do. Right. I, no, it's, so I we, we talk. We all love to talk. It's fine. I, I only love to talk to certain people. Well, I, I'm it's usually, us. <laughs> well, Sorry, not certain people. No. <laughs> 
you I am like super quiet. Like I can go all day at work without speaking to anybody other than like hi bye, you know, the the stuff that I need to talk to people about. But I feel like of course these two, I it's It's mandatory. Like I've known you forever. Well this one I have known. But I love when we get people in that I can just bounce back and forth. Yes. Like it just you know, coming from a a group where we usually just have kid talk. Like I, I yes, I love my kids, but I love to have adult conversation. Yes. <laughs> so so this this is great. I love it. Well, I apologize that I, I count as adult conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. And and it's not not that I, you know, can't joke around about you know yeah. glory holes and Stuff like that. No, like I, I'm a kid at heart. I still think fart jokes are funny. We do them at work all the time. Like I'll just laugh. They'll make jokes and I'll laugh, and I'm just like, eh, yeah, I'm here. Well, I appreciate that. It's like, like you said, I don't know if we recorded it or not, but it's like we've only done one episode, and that's why I comment. It feels like I've known you guys forever, and we can have these conversations, and it's, it's, it's hard to come by, right? It, like yeah. making a good haunted house scare movie. It's hard to find people on. Twitter or X or whatever the hell this is called. Like it's it's great being able to find people of the same mind. And so yeah, you guys definitely count as one of those. And we've got to have you on Nostalgia Cast at some point. It's just a question of logistics. And I want to be back before you guys get to episode two hundred. So Yes. Yes. Well we'll see. It was only it was only fifty episodes, so we're still we're still about more than seventy episodes till we get to two hundred. So we will definitely be getting you back on before that time comes. I've 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 got to be your top Top Gun Maverick guy. I want to be your top oh absolutely Gun absolutely <laughs> absolutely. You are already you were already in my mind when I was saying whenever we get to that, you were you Good. were coming on. Uh, that's going to be a five hour episode. Just pre warning everybody that <laughs> will be a five hour episode and. I am yeah, let's split it at least in, or at least in yeah. two parts. Yeah, there you it'll go. have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you so much for coming back. It's, you know, being able to have wonderful conversations with you on Twitter about all your wonderful opinions on movies and getting to see people's <laughs> responses on them. And clearly I love I comment one time on somebody's po- on your post and I offend people and i'm just like okay i guess that's what i am now but uh (laughs) but no it's it's an honor having you on and uh getting to talk movies it's an honor to be on yeah and yeah way too long it took way too long to get you back on i'll take all the blame (laughs) but darren why don't you share with us why don't you share with us where everybody can find you and uh where they can find nostalgia cast Okay, just, uh, yeah, the only place I'm at, which is why I hope it doesn't go away. I think there's another app. Are we allowed to say Blue Sky? Like, is that, because we're not allowed to I'm not on there, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, I'm I'm on there just in case as a backup. But again, you can find me on there. You can find me on Twitter at DW Lundberg and Nostalgia Cast. You'll see a picture of Kevin Costner. You know, whatever, Field of Dreams, that kind of thing. Nostalgia, right? So, again, we just finished up our... That's right. Finished up their 90s episode, uh, 90s uh, season. Uh, check that out. Thank you guys for checking some of those out. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And then we'll pick up uh, probably, I think we're going to start recording again next month. Just need a little bit of a break so I don't have to edit constantly. <laughs> and then, yeah, we'll be back with some 70s films. So, yeah, please check us out. That's a, that's a break.
What does that even mean here? <laughs> all right. Yeah. So all of Darren's links will be down in the description to find Nostalgia Cast. And of course, you need to follow him on Twitter because it's always a wonderful time. Uh, <laughs> you can find all of Dan and Angela's links down in the description. And of course, you can find us everywhere at Dissect That Film on all the social medias. We are literally on almost every social media out there. And if you type in Dissect That Film on any of the podcast services and on YouTube. If you're watching us right now, clearly you're on our YouTube channel. So make sure to like comment and subscribe over there because I love reading your comments on our videos and make sure to rate and review us on any of the podcast apps you use to listen to us. We are, we're encroaching 20 on Spotify. So if you listen to us on Spotify, if you're listening from Spotify, make sure you leave us five stars. It's, it's free. It doesn't cost you nothing. Same with Apple podcasts. You can also leave a review over there. Uh, Good Pods is another app you can use to uh, leave reviews and comments on individual episodes. It's really cool. And finally, I want to thank our patrons because we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash dissect that film, where we have two wonderful tiers. We have a $1 tier where you can get episodes early and uh, just support us, you know, because we appreciate you very much. You know, it goes the that $1 goes a long way. And we also have a $5 tier called the Mark Wahlberg Book Club which you get exclusive Patreon shows like our Monster Zone show, which we talk about kaiju movies and monster movies hosted by Dan and Angela. And we also have a Tubi show called Out of the Tubi, where we once a month we pick a random Tubi movie to discuss. And usually it's just a shit show and it's amazing. So you should definitely go over there and drop that $5 because it's well worth it. And plus you get all the wonderful perks from our $1 tier. And I want to thank our patrons right now. We have Nurturevert. We have Robert Stewart. We have Rudy5453, Andrew Schoening, Eric Stein, The Baron's Hideout Podcast, Dan and Angela of DNA Gaming, Billy Joseph Jr., Dustin from the Flicks and Friends Podcast, Doom Generation, and Johnny Browning. So thank you all for all the support. And thank you for everybody who listens to the show. And thank you again to Darren Lundberg for being here once again. Listen, everybody, he'll be back very, very soon. All right. All right. Until next time. I am Brett Parker. That is Dan and Angel of DNA Gaming. And that is Darren Lundberg from Nostalgia Cast. And this has been the Dissected Film Podcast, episode 125. We'll see you all again next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. What's funnier than 24? 24.